Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. That's a great thing about me. I'm always on. <laughs> Wait, that's not Southern discomfort. April Fools. Hey, everybody. It's April. And Christine. And we have a special treat for you tonight. We're participating in Operation Switcheroo. That was an episode of Genuine Chit Chat by Mike Burton. And he's playing an episode of ours right now. He has a different guest on each episode. And on this one, he speaks with Janine Mercer. She's the host of Identity Podcast, creator of Corvus Review, and the founder of Podmoth Media, and a friend of the show. So this episode was recorded back in September 2020. And Mike and Janine's conversation starts with a small amount of COVID lockdown talk before they discussed um, Janine's hearing issues and the weirdness of 2020. And then they get into some talk about fun of collecting. And then the chat changes gears into discussion where y'all are going to love this, where they talk about cryptids, vampires, legends, werewolves, aliens, before talking about where Janine's intrigue into the weird and wonderful came from. Plus, they discussed Hung Jesus, religion and legends, monsters, and the conversation ends with a small discussion on politics. So this is, this is a great podcast episode. You're going to love it. I sure, certainly do. Um, and Janine can be found, um, she has a website, Identity, and I'm, it's odd, O-D-D-E-N-T-I-T-Y. So it's the identitypodcast.wordpress.com. Corvus Review is core, the letter V is in Victor, dot Inc. Podmoth Media is podmoth.network. You can follow Mike on Instagram at genuine underscore chit chat and on Twitter at genuine chit chat and on Facebook, a genuine chit chat. You can listen to genuine chit chat on Spotify, Apple, Google podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, Podbean, and the usual podcast apps. Mike also has another show called Star Wars Comics and Canon, and it can be found on Spotify and other podcast apps on the feed of Comics and Motion. Episode topics include Lando Comics, the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Count Dooku, Darth Vader, Kylo Ren, Darth Maul, and how C-3PO got his red arm and more. He also has a Patreon with an exclusive new show, Afterthoughts, with two episodes that are free to anyone, and Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, and The Witcher Season 1, plus much, much more. So if you want to sh- support his show, and get more content, check it out at patreon.com forward slash genuine chit chat. All this will be in the show notes. So if you struggle through my southern accent, sorry about that, but it'll be in written form on the show notes. Yeah, and we hope you guys enjoy this as much as we did. And remember, we'll be back um, with our regularly scheduled show. Uh, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Hello, listeners to the Southern Discomfort Podcast. How are you all doing? 
I know you can't respond, so I'll assume you're all going, Hi Mike, we're doing great, thank you. Um, this is just a quick brief message before the whole chat thing gets started with my chat with Janine Mercer, which I'm very excited for you guys to hear. Um, but just for clarity, uh, my name is Mike Burton, my show is Genuine Chit Chat, um, and also I have a different guest on each episode of the show. I've had musicians, travellers, filmmakers, I've had a Star Wars author on, I've had someone who is in Star Wars uh, on my show, I've had other podcasters on, I've had all kinds of different people authors actors loads and stuff so if you like this conversation with janine you know make sure you go check out janine's podcast the odd entity podcast um but also check out my show um it's on all the usual places wherever you listen to southern discomfort you should be able to find it and i'm not saying you like every single conversation that i have because i have a lot of them but i would like to think that anyone who goes through my back catalog will find at least a few things that they enjoy uh, and if you go on youtube where almost no one listens on youtube but if you go on youtube i've put loads of things into playlists and things by genre there's ones about religion ones about science uh, ones about relationships lots of different bits and pieces and things so you can either contact me on social media at genuine chit chat or you can just look and browse across the wares that i've got and figure out what you want to listen to from there but really hope you enjoy this and just for clarity most of my episodes are normally about an hour long and normally if they're over an hour i split them in two so this is about two and a bit hours long so it's quite a long one um, but normally on my show i would have split this into two so i've got other shows and things as well but i really hope they've been put in the description stuff for star wars comics and canon is the other main one but yeah thank you so much for listening to this guys i really hope you appreciate it so on with the show you just that's my me. problem no, that, that's switch. my exact problem it's like there's Here no off switch <laughs> people wish there was an off switch for me a lot of the time in fact people have actively told me that oh. they, they wish they had an off switch i know it's terrible that's terrible <laughs> i am here with janine mercer hello there I, I like doing the intro thing quick, fast, get it out of the way, even though I ramble on the intro far too much. But it's great to have you on again, Janine. And we've already been chatting a bit before. Mike and we both podcasts quite a lot, so the intro bit is always like, okay, stop all organic conversation, yeah, right. press the button, <laughs> say your name, say okay. Now I can get back into it. But are you doing all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing good. Um, you know, the the we talked about this a little bit before, but the COVID-19 thing kind of is a little crazy. Um, I'm in the U.S. I'm in Wisconsin, so um, they're talking about instituting um, some sort of a, a, I guess, a law or like a strict guideline about people having to wear masks even when they're outside and they're within 30 feet of people. Mm, wow. Okay. Uh, so I, it, it'll be interesting to see if uh, a lot of the conservatives will actually grab onto that and follow the rules. Um, I myself have been very liberal for a lot of my life. My family is very liberal. Canadians in general, I think, are very liberal. Not, mm. I don't want to speak for all Canadians, but it seems that way. And uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that because, I mean, a, as of right now, I, I could go across the street to the, there's actually a butcher kitty mm. corner <laughs> for me. So if I leave my house and walk across the street, there there is a tiny little butcher shop where like all of the clientele is old and none of them uh, are wearing masks. And it's closed quarters. There's no possible way to social distance. They've covered all of the checkouts with plexiglass. <laughs> but I mean, it's not you you can't just be like, okay, I'm gonna I'm going to slap some duct tape on this and it's going to be great. You know, we're all going to be fine. It's not going to happen. You know, you, you have to take it seriously. Mm, yeah. It, it, 
it's it's over here people over here the government guidelines aren't as strict on individuals there's the only mask uh certain companies can say if you have to come into this area with a mask and things like that but apart from all that right. it's just public transport it's just on buses things like that mm-hmm. uh you have to wear a mask i think all taxi drivers and things have to wear a mask and i think you're strongly recommended to wear a mask when in a taxi but they've all got the plexiglass between the front and the back oh, now right. so yeah and all, all the shops and things uh especially the supermarkets they've yeah you because know, they've got a surplus of like stickers and things they've got loads of arrows and things they've yep. got actual on the tiles how much distancing there is yeah and i think there was somewhere i can't remember if it's in england or if it's in america i think it might have been england there was um social distancing hearts like uh, spray painted on the grass in like certain parks oh. so they're like all two meters apart and it's like yep. this big grid of hearts and you can sit yep. in there with a few people oh. uh, so that's quite cool yeah 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 um but beyond the covid19 thing i have been one of the I don't even know how many millions of Americans who have uh, had to go on unemployment insurance Mm. um, because my the business that I work for is going into bankruptcy um, and they don't know what they're doing to come back after this or if they'll come back after this so it's it's just kind of been a little bit of drama Um, Mm. beyond that uh, oh I got new hearing aids Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if That's... I ever told you this before, but I'm hard of hearing. I think you might have in yeah. briefly. I don't recall the hearing aid, but please do, please tell. So, I mean, I know that your listeners are not going to be able to see them, um, but <laughs> they're they're ear go hearing aids. Oh, that's really cool. So they're very small, <laughs> mm. um, and they literally fit like right into your ear canal, so wow. you can't see them. There's nothing oh, to amazing. physically see. That's incredible. If you don't mind me asking, how long have you been hard of hearing? Oh, oh gosh. Um, well, when I when I was a stupid teenager, um, I was in a band, and I spent a lot of nights standing in front of amplifiers with no ear protection. Um, so I would say that my hearing probably was damaged then, uh, but I never actually admitted to myself that I was hard of hearing until probably two years ago oh okay um and it's it's one of those things like a lot of people who deal with different stages of hearing loss say that it's difficult the most the most difficult thing is to admit to yourself that you have an issue Hmm. um so basically i just kind of had to sit down and give myself a pep talk and be like listen (laughs) you know like you need to do something about this because I could be in the living room and my wife could be in the kitchen and I can't hear what she's saying to me. Uh, Um, Or I mishear everything. And then like two days later, she'll be like, did you go to the butcher and get the rolls that I wanted you to get? And I'm like, no, (laughs) when did you say that? You know, I have no idea. uh, Um, I see. Which makes it very frustrating. Um, It can make you very angry because you feel... You feel like you're almost like on the outside of everything. Hmm. You're not really part of the conversation. You're not really like a whole person because you can't get the whole picture. You know, you're not getting the whole story. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so it was about two years ago that I finally was like, okay, um, I need to do something about this. Um, And then it was a year and a half after that (laughs) that I finally did something about it because I'm a terrible procrastinator with a lot of things. Um, but yeah, I found this, uh, I found this company called Ergo, um, E-A-R-G-O, um, and the hearing aids are rechargeable. Uh, they come in like a little, um, a little domed 
charger. Oh, wow, that's really cool. Um, so you just, you know, they're USB, so you just plug them in. And, uh, yeah, they uh, they fit completely into your ear canal, so nobody knows you're wearing hearing aids unless you tell them. Mm. Um, and I think it's it's a really great thing to be able to be part of the conversation again. Mm. Um, but I also think it's really great that there's something that you can do for yourself that also removes that sense of alienation because you're wearing you're you're disabled. Mm. You know, like I have a hard time thinking of myself as disabled in any way because who am I to say I'm disabled? Like there's so many other people in the world who are so much worse off than me. Mm, that's um what you mean. yeah, like I I don't know. I mean, that was just kind of the way I was raised. Like you don't complain about that because there's so many other people in the world who are suffering right now. Who are you? To, you know, complain because this happened to you when there's so many other people, you know. Yeah, when you think of disabled, you often think of, like, more detrimental effects. Usually, the first thing you think right. of disabled, you think of wheelchair. You think yep. of someone who is, obviously, disability is much more than what you can physically see. But the mm-hmm. first thing people, the knee-jerk reaction, in a sense, is you're not in a wheelchair, you don't have crutches immediately. And it's just, I can understand right. how even something as subtle as a hearing aid, which some people would notice, but some people obviously would notice and then will treat you differently due to just seeing something in your ear. Right. Whereas this is nice, subtle, and it's you don't even have to worry about having that interaction. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, you know, a lot of um, businesses say that they don't discriminate against people that have disabilities. But that just means that, you know, like it's illegal to do that, but that just means that they're not going to say it out loud, Mm, you know, and they're going to hire based on the way that they want and they're going to fire based on the way that they want. And it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, you know, for example, I'm a lesbian. There are a lot of places in Wisconsin that say, oh, yeah, we hire LGBT, you know, QIA plus people. Um, We're very pro, but at the same time they don't have anybody from that community on their staff because they haven't hired them or they fired them for other reasons. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things. It's, it's another hoop that you have to jump through. There are so many hoops hmm. in life that you have to jump through. Um, yeah. And in America, it's quite a lot of water. A lot of the waters are a lot muddier as well. Cause obviously yeah. it, I know it's different states have different sort of, there's the federal law as well as mm-hmm. it's just, there's so many layers to it. Whereas in England, at least from my perspective, it's, it's yeah. easier, but obviously but you can't, systematic oppression in in the sense of mm-hmm. hiring someone as i've right. said uh before to friends of mine and things it's like e- even if you legislate against racism for example when you say like anyone who fires someone for being black or doesn't hire anyone for being black you if if the interviewer or the person who's going to hire them is racist but doesn't say anything about it right they can just say oh they weren't a fit for the company and that can be true obviously because the your skin color and your race doesn't determine how good you are going to be an employee for a place of work right but people the, the law, unfortunately, in that regard, is like that. One of those little caveats, like you can't really ever know, unfortunately, and right. that is that's one of those things about. That's one of the things where I'm in a privileged position in that sense of I am male, I am straight, I am white, I am British. It's all these things right. that just make things a little bit easier in the sense that I don't have to worry about. I didn't get the job because of this thing about myself necessarily. It's it, I understand in that regard from an outsider perspective because obviously I haven't that privilege (laughs) that I have unfortunately well yeah and you know I mean there's so many invisible lines yes that's a very good way of putting it you you don't know if you've crossed them until you've actually crossed them and then you're like oh shit (laughs) you know like oh that's why that happened because I you know I happened to mention to somebody that I was gay and now all of a sudden 
I'm fired and it's because of work performance, but I've never had a performance review and like what, you know, it doesn't make mm. any sense. What's um, behind the curtain? I mean, there's a lot of people struggling with that. There, There's just, I mean, there's, there's so much, you know, racism and ageism and sexism and, you know, I mean, there are so many isms <laughs> that we just that. can't. I mean, you know, you you almost can't juggle them all. And now, you know, we have, you know, all this stuff going on with the, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and, you know, all those other people who have been, um, you know, murdered. Um, mm-hmm. I, I will say murdered um, by the police. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's coming from somebody who is from a military police family. Um I think that that behavior is completely unacceptable and um, wildly unfortunate um, for people who are supposed to be out there protecting people. Mm. But yeah, I mean, we, we're just living in a crazy world right now. I just... 2020 is mental. I just don't get it. Like, can we please rewind? <laughs> like, do I get a do-over? <laughs> it's like, if you said this time last year, because everyone was like, 2020, it's going to be everyone's year. You know, 2019 was a God. bit crap because a few celebrities died and this happened, right. this happened. It's like, and then 2020 comes around and we're like, it's going to be the best year. And then, you know, there's the uh, bushfires and things. It's like, okay, right. God. And then there's this whole, uh, I think it was Iran or Iraq, and I'm very insensitive for not knowing which one, but the general who's connected to with terrorism and things, that whole mess that happened. And everyone's like, Oh God, it's the end of the world. Oh, and then right. COVID happens and then the protests. And it's like, Oh, yeah. everything is happening all in this one insane year. And we're only just over halfway. Yeah. But yeah. that is, it, it's, it's absolutely insane. But speaking of something crazy, what you've done is your amount of pop vinyls that you bought oh, and the God. reason or that you've got. <laughs> and the reason I bring it up is because since I think it was when we last spoke and I, I you showed me some of them, obviously we're friends on social media and things. And I see some of the pictures and things and I, I've got, there's a site over here called Zavi and it's just like collectibles and t-shirts oh, yeah, yeah. and special edition uh, DVDs, that sort of jazz. Yep. Nerd merchandise is great. And they, they have pop vinyls all over the place and it's just the, the resistance because I've been bought a couple for Christmas and I've got little collections of them and things. And Megan was like, oh, I've never had one. It'd be cool if I got one. So I've got her, like a Freddie Mercury one uh, and a Wicket one from Star Wars and uh has a, oh, I've got another Star Wars one. There's a there's another one coming. She doesn't know about. There's like oh, we've God. now got I think f- fifteen. But I've always been like a collector of stuff. I, I collected yeah uh, special edition video games for a while, and then vinyls for a while. Special edition DV- uh, Blu-ray DVDs called Steel Books that are in metal cases, and now it's pop vinyls. So I'm going to get loads of them. <laughs> Too many for the flat, and then we're going to get a house, and then I'll have loads more space for all my pop vinyls. But yours, <laughs> you've got next level. Yeah, um, I think that uh, the last time I checked, I was at almost 600. That's incredible. uh, Which is not a lot compared to some other people that I know. That you know? Wow. Yeah. Um, There's a a group on um, Facebook called uh, Wisconsin, I think it's Wisconsin Funko Pop Vinyl Collectors or something. Hmm. Yeah. and there was a guy on there who had just hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of Funko merchandise. Not just wow. Funko Pop vinyls, um, but like the soda vinyls, the ones that come in the little soda, the little soda can, hmm. um, the little minis, the mystery minis. Just like, I mean, just insanity. And he had like <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars. And oh, so every time we would go, um, I think it was like once a week they'd ask people to post their top 10, 
which is essentially a list that you have that shows your top 10 highest priced pops. Um, and my highest priced pop is like $1,200. I paid $9 for it. Amazing. Um, but it's highly collectible now because they only made like, I think they only made like 500 pieces. Oh, wow. So that's the other side of it too. Like I have a lot of collectibles that don't necessarily have a lot of value. Um, they have personal value. Like to me, I enjoy them. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's largely just like this one is worth $12 and this one is worth, you know, $72 mm-hmm. and this one, you know, so there's only a couple, um, the, the Captain America black and white Funko pop that I have is, um, from Gemini collectibles. That one is 1200. Um, and then I also have one, uh, when the, the first Thor movie came out, they did a whole line of pops. And, uh, so I have the, the Thor from that, movie specific movie release that is Mm. like $320 or something. And then they, they go from there. Like I have a four pack of universal monsters. Um, I think it's like three fifty now valued at three fifty. But I mean, the other, the other part of it too, you have to consider if I ever wanted to sell anything, I would have to look at the sold listings on say eBay Mm -hmm. and be like, okay, well this one is worth 350, but it's sold for 250. So, you know, what do you, how do you price it out kind of thing? I, I don't know that I would ever sell anything. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask. My I've wife got, wishes uh... I would sell things. <laughs> but I, yeah, yeah I, I can't. My girlfriend is very similar. Um, I've got I've got a lot of different collectibles and things like that. Like um, there's a game called Fallout New Vegas and they released mm. a special edition where you get um, uh, the poker chips, playing cards, an art book, and a few other things. And it was only... There's like nine thousand and five hundred or so made, and it's oh, got sure. the stamp on how you know number three thousand or whatever. Yep. Uh, and it's it's all. I managed to. I got a copy of. Uh, I got that Fallout New Vegas, and then I laser burned it, uh, or whether my Xbox laser burned it, and then so I went to it was Game Station at the time, um, and basically got another one back, but they didn't take the the broken one off me, so oh. I went home, and I then I realised I had still the broken game with the receipt and the fixed one. <laughs> So I just took it in again and I had two sealed brand new copies and I just put one back in my collectible edition oh, thing. Right, yeah. So it's completely wrapped and it looks like it hasn't been touched. Nice. And it's like one of my only collectibles where I'm like, even if that got worth, if it was worth like a million pounds, if there's some sort of crazy billionaire out there who wanted one and he was like, I will give you, I, I would do that. But yeah. like, if it was like, oh, you could sell it for like two grand. Right. That's the kind of amount where it's like, that is, a, I wouldn't want to lose two grand. Yeah. But that that's quite pushed through guys quite a lot but if it's like 500 i'm like ah but 500 like, i kind of w- would the amount 500 would bring me bring me the joy of the sentimental value of that because like, my dad got right. it for me who's uh, passed away and yep. i've got a lot of things that are like that and it's like would i really want to sell it i've got old game boy advance games that have got like linked to the past and metroid and things that like, remakes that are worth oh, about yeah. 80 quid at the moment and the yep. bought for 30 and so like, i don't want to sell them because i think the games are amazing but if they sold for like five grand you know what i mean but they're never right. gonna the, the, the chance because then i'd be like oh if they sold for five grand i'd sell them then it'd be like well those movie moments the next morning they'd be worth five million and that's always right. in my mind so I just never sell in case i lose out on the sale yeah almost. well you know and i think a lot of my collecting is i think it's from it has something to do with my childhood because when i was growing up we didn't have a whole lot of money so mm. whenever i got something that was you know, action figure. I was never into dolls. I was never a mm. doll person. 
Um, so for my birthday and stuff, I would always ask for action figures. And those action figures were always like Thundercats, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, He-Man. Uh, you know, I mean, you you name it, you, Ewoks. Like, <laughs> I just had <laughs> anything and everything related to these shows. And I wanted to take all of that stuff out of the package and play with it. And now that I'm an adult, because we didn't have a whole lot of money, and now I have a job, and, you know, I'm a functioning member of society, <laughs> now I want to take all of this money and just throw it at <laughs> plastic pieces of shit. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if it makes any sense to anybody but me, but it's just like, now I want to keep everything pristine in the plastic. Um, like, for example, Mego... Um, just released a line of Universal Monsters characters. Oh. And they they have uh, a line from, like, the... I think it's the 60s, the late 50s, early 60s. Um, and I won't even get into, like, T1 Megos and, like, the difference <laughs> between the... Because I'll lose you. But... <laughs> um, but they, you know, they were they were dolls and they came with clothes and they were for, you know, quote-unquote little boys to, to play with. And so they re-released the entire line. So now they have, like, the Invisible Man, they have the Creature from the Black Lagoon, they have the Wolfman, Dracula, um, Phantom of the Opera. Like, you know, there's just, there, there's a, a whole line that they've re-released. And so I had to buy one of each and then <laughs> keep them pristine in the packaging so that, you know, 50 years from now, maybe, somebody will open our sarcophagus and be like, look, she was buried with all of this plastic shit. How much is it worth? <laughs> and then that'll pay for, you know, the them the hosting the me in the cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great that's a great plan. I mean, mm -hmm. I've, with the pop vinyls uh, and things, I've been, or Funko Pops, I've been with them at the moment. Megan just got one from The, the Witcher as well. I've got the glow, mm. it's got a glow-in-the-dark uh, flame spell, which is cool. And I... I really like the way they are at the moment. We're in a flat. And we're, this is just, we're living here for a couple of years. We're just saving up to buy a place. And oh, sure. so we're renting here. And um, because we're renting, our landlord's pretty lenient with certain stuff. We could put nails in the wall and things. But I don't really want to put full shelves up. And I don't want to you know, redecorate because that is more right. hassle that's worth. And then you put all the effort in and then you move out in two years. And then it's just like, um, <laughs> so I'm going to wait until we get a house. But I want to have like a shelf up. And it's like, there's this internal struggle with myself. And it's like, one of my pop vinyls is a hand solo exclusive that my mate got me. Um, and it's, it's just got an exclusive sticker on that's nice. And only the Geralt Igni, uh, which one has also got one of those on it and they're special exclusives or whatever. Right. And it's like, I want to get them out and make a little diorama with them because I've got like Star Wars characters and I'm going to get some Harry Potter ones and probably a couple of Lord of the Rings and Dragon Ball Z and loads of things because I can't stop. And <laughs> I have to limit myself to like one or two a month, but I've got like six or seven that are pre ordered for August. Because <laughs> oh. I've just out of the year, I've been. Oh, I'll buy those three, then two for eighteen quid or whatever, or three for, uh, three for thirty quid or something like that. Yeah. But only one of them's out, and the other two are pre-orders, and they've all because of COVID, they've all just got right. stuck, and they're all coming out in August. So I'm gonna get like seven or eight of them in the post. God. But I'm like, do I do I want to take them out? Like I can if I take out the packaging and leave the packaging and preserve it, I could put them back in, but then that won't be mint. And what if they become loads of money one day? But surely I should have fun with like I'm. I'm 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 well, almost dreading getting a house because I could just put it off until then. <laughs> right. Well, and I mean, part of it. So okay. So about a year ago, I came to the realization that um, I was collecting for myself, hmm. 
And so I'm not going to super worry about what everything is worth because I'm not Mm. collecting because I want to collect things that will eventually be worth a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm collecting right now because it brings me joy, you know, like whatever makes your heart sing, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, so what I've done is um, I have painstakingly opened some of the packages that I have in order to display the items that I really like so that I can enjoy them. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, it's it's in my office. Like, I'm the only person who goes in there because there's creepy shit in there. My wife doesn't <laughs> like it. Um, so, I, you know, like, half the room is collectibles and the other half is creepy shit. So I just, I, you know, cut off a piece of the room and I was like, okay, now this part of the room right here, this box, is going to be for all my collectibles. So I, I went out and I bought... Um, Ikea has these Detolf cabinets, which are like glass-sided tower cabinets. Yeah. Um, They're like, I think they're about like five feet tall or something. And I took three of those and put them together. And now I have like different, you know, setups. I have different risers and stuff like that that you can buy so that you can see everything. Hmm. Um, And there are some items that I will not take out of the package. Okay. Because, I mean, the Captain America that I have is worth 1200 bucks. Like, I'm not... I, you know, I, I can see that through the window on the box. Like, I don't mm. need to open that box. <laughs> um, but just a little tip, if you ever want to open a box and have it remain mint, then what you do is you get a spatula that's about the same size as the slot on the, on the bottom of the box. Mm-hmm. You stick the spatula in and you stick your finger in a little bit and you pull out on the bottom flap. Okay. Take the figure out from the bottom close the box back up that's genius thank you so much for that yeah you're welcome that's amazing i mean yeah it's collectibles are weird things when i think about collectibles i think of crows uh which are a cool incredible being mm. and they obviously they collect things like shiny things and there's been stories of people when they make friends of crows yep. and their crows break like they feed the crows and the, the crows bring them around a piece of jewelry they found or little shiny things and i just think it's almost, it sounds so almost lame to say out loud, but almost the weird little part or the tiny amount of DNA that I share with a crow. That's what that is. Just this, I just love, <laughs> not shiny things necessarily. I, I generally, with Funko Pops, I don't like the metallic, the, the like purely chrome metallic ones as much. Yeah. I like the, I like ones where you can see the in air quotes detail and the colours. And it's like, I've always been into collectibles since I was younger. I've always just, yeah. even just little cheapy things, you know, you go around the corner shop and there's little Mario things mm-hmm. and you get, yeah, and you always get the, the one you don't want. But it's, they're fun and I just collecting them and just even now ordering them on, you know, Zavi or whatever. And you just, you know, it's coming and it's like, oh, the knock at the door, the delivery's come and you open right. it up. And it's just, it, it's what you say, the joy. It's a very, it's, it, it's almost, it's just an explainable. If someone said, what do you love so much about it? It's like, well, I like getting it and I like mm-hmm. opening it and I like putting it on the side and then looking at it all the time because it right. makes me happy. <laughs> and it's like, that's why, like, I just like, it makes, I don't know, when I'm not looking at it, I'm less sad than when I'm looking at it. Right. That's, why, that's why I've got so many. <laughs> well, and I mean, I, I also, I, you know, I was a communication major in, uh, in college for my bachelor's degree and uh, I did a presentation once on um, artifacts Okay, yeah. And placement, because it communicates a lot about us and and who we are and how we function. And so when you look at my office, my desk faces away from all of the collectibles. Mm. Except for the ones that I'm keen on, which are like Uh. on the back of my desk or like slightly off to the left. 
Yeah, apparently it's really easy to tell whether or not your coworkers like their family, judging on where they put their pictures in their cube. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, do you want to deal with your mother-in-law? No? Oh, you probably put her behind your head then so that you don't have to look at her all day. You know? Oh, man. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. One of the things uh, to change gear slightly, while I'll end up talking about uh, collectibles the entire time, um, was one thing I really was excited about when we were talking sort of before the, the show and uh, investing and things, which was uh, cryptids, which when you said that to me, I had to ah. look up the the word. Yes. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, I know what that is. So if you want to explain to people what that is, because it's like that people listening will probably be like, I don't know what that is. When you explain it, they'll know. Well, um, I mean, I I don't really want to get into like the definition of the word cryptid and like oh that what, becomes too you know whatever. You know. Um, but I mean, my favorite cryptids are uh, the Mothman, the Jersey Devil. Um, let's see, uh, werewolves, anything related to werewolves, because werewolves are actually pretty big in Wisconsin. Mm. Um, people have been seeing werewolves in Wisconsin for a very long time. Okay. Um, so, I mean, that's that's a big one for me. Um, also, Spring-Heeled Jack, which was a 19th century boogeyman. Um, mm. He was in England. Okay. I'm so closer to you than he is to me. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're essentially creatures that defy explanation. Mm. Um, and if you've read a story about them, logic would tell you that it's not necessarily something that you should believe wholeheartedly. It's something Mm -hmm. that you should take with a grain of salt and then do your own research. Yeah. Um, When I said Mothman, a lot of people probably flash to that movie, The Mothman Prophecies. Um, If you ever watch that movie, it talks about Point Pleasant and the Silver Bridge collapse. And um, I think that was like around 1966, maybe. Okay. Um, But yeah, I mean, the, the bridge collapsed and apparently for a few days before people were seeing this, for lack of a better word, bird, giant mm. bird-like creature that had like glowing red eyes. Okay. And uh, they said that every time something bad happened, they saw this creature. And so they started to attach it to death and destruction and, you know, whatever. And then in terms of the Jersey Devil, um, we have some similarities there. The Mothman, you know, the giant bird, the glowing red eyes, the Jersey Devil was a similar kind of thing. Um, It apparently lives in the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. It was the 13th child of Mrs. Leeds, who some say was a witch and um, had sex with the devil and then had this offspring who is a mix between a kangaroo, a goat and a bird. Okay, the goat I can kind of get um, with things to do with the devil, but... Yeah, also... well, apparently it also has a forked tail. So, you know, de- it just uh, screams devil, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, apparently that, you know, because it was the 13th child and it was born on a very stormy night and whatever, um, it came into the world apparently very violently and attacked some family members and flew up the chimney and went to live in the Pine Barrens. Um, and that story apparently is from, like, the 1730s. Oh, wow. So that story has been around for a very long time, and people are still seeing it, just like people mm-hmm. are still seeing the Mothman. They're still seeing, you know, Sasquatch, the Yeti. <laughs> you know, they're mm. they're still seeing all of these strange creatures. And logic would tell you that it's just not, it's not realistic to think that these things exist. Mm. But in the back of your mind, you're like, but what if? You know, yeah. 
That's just, I, I mean, that's the reason why I enjoy, um, cryptids and cryptozoology. And, Mm. um, I find it fascinating. I, I don't, I don't really understand these shows that get out like in the woods and try to find Bigfoot and stuff. Like, I don't, I don't really get that. Like he's onto you dudes. He's not gonna come out. Um, plus they're too freaking loud. Like the cameras yeah. everywhere. Like he's not, I mean, yeah. Bigfoot got better things to do. Well, it's like if, if he did exist, it's like the actual, if he was uh, a being that existed, it's one of those things where it's like, I, there's a lot of paranormal things, which I don't necessarily, I'm not like, I necessarily believe, but right. there is that part of my back of my mind where I'm like, part of me does kind of think it is. So it's like sure. al- almost, I feel like almost a lot of people uh, with re- religion in some ways are almost like, no, 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 there's no God or anything. But if is there a heaven though? It, it's almost in that kind of way, in this sort of, you can't fully shake it in some ways. Uh, you know, not, I'm not a religious individual to clarify, but it is just that, as you say, is... I, I, you kind of want it to be you know you want that that mystery it's almost what i like about things like star yeah. wars and this is like that's what i love about media right? reading fictional stories and getting into uh you know, the thing i love about star wars it's escapism in some ways but the you know being able to move things with your mind and having crazy laser swords being a yep. space wizard like that's amazing to imagine and it oh, in, right. encrypted is like in a in a more grounded way it's like what if this cool well, yeah what if there were werewolves what if vampires are a very fun one like the oh, amount right. of history to do obviously the, mm-hmm. i think it's like vlad the impaler and then i think was nosferatu a, a person or a legend i know there's the film which was um super old. yeah nosferatu so i i don't remember i did a piece about this for um the podcast way 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 back hmm. um but the movie nosferatu is actually a ripoff of dracula So, like, the woman who owns the rights for Dracula got pissy with the people who made Nosferatu and demanded they destroy every copy. Oh, okay. Um, And some copies slipped through. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, Nosferatu is essentially a a loose retelling of the Dracula legend, from what I understand. Hmm. Um, But Dracula is actually, vampires in general are very interesting because... Vampires are not, um, they're not cryptids, um, they're legends. Right. Um, and the legend, uh, is very, very old. Um, it's associated with, uh, death, but it's associated with the understanding of death, which way back when was very limited. Mm -hmm. Um, people didn't understand the process of putrefaction. They didn't understand how bodies break down after burial. Um, they didn't understand how gases built up within the corpse. You know, they, they just didn't understand all of the science behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because they thought that their family members were coming alive at night and going around and sucking people's blood, they would then, you know, go to the graveside and drive a stake through their heart. Um, okay. or they would put a, a stone in their mouth. So you have some bodies being found with actual like rocks jammed into their mouths Wow. Um, and I mean, it, it looks very violent, but people did that because they just didn't understand why if you opened a grave, you know, it's it's the dead of winter and you've opened this grave and you're looking at your deceased loved one and they have blood at the corners of their mouth and they look like they could be alive. Hmm. And, you know, your uncle is really sick and he's saying that so and so is visiting him at night and hmm. whatever. So there was just all this lore surrounding it and uh yeah i mean it it's built on fear it's just all built on fear and um you know for lack of a better word ignorance Mm. um 
of exactly what happens to bodies after they're buried. And I think there's that religious tone to it as well, because obviously there's the whole, for a long time, yes. and, and in a lot of vampire things, it is the cross. And it, it's, yeah. you know, one of my favourite uh, films is From Dusk Till Dawn. It's ridiculous over the top. Oh, God. Uh, George Clooney was such a baby face in that movie. Yeah. It was it was so good. I loved it. It was one of my first tastes of just of ridiculous over the top yeah. uh, grindhouse that sort yeah. of thing. And it's you know he's got the shotgun with a bat, and it's like oh he's God. got he shoots with the shotgun, and then he lifts it up, and it's a crucifix, and all the vampires sure, sure. Like go. Boom. And it's so cheesy, and I love it. Love and he it. dips it in holy water, all that stuff. It's amazing. <laughs> and it's like the the crossing. I remember watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That was when I was like ten. I was I watched all of them yeah. with um a childminder that's just basically a babysitter, but straight after school. And uh, what did you say your your childminder? Childminder, child yeah. It's basically it's a babysitter is when the parents often go out at night. You have someone there who's a babysitter to oh, make sure okay. the kids go to bed. A childminder is more so after school. If your parents are working, you go there, and then your parents pick them up. It's almost like the opposite in some ways. Oh, so it's a daycare. Uh, Kind of, yeah, but it's huh. the childminder is not like it is daycare. The ter- it is correctly daycare, but here it's like a daycare is an official business, which has several people there. Right. There's loads of kids there, whereas a childminder could have one to four or five. And it was just my childminder. She had two daughters. One was my age, and one was five years older. And for some reason, especially when I was younger, I had an affinity with getting on with older women a lot more. Not in any oh, weird right. way. It was just I just <laughs> I was very talkative and I was very interested in a lot of stuff. And so when this uh, girl Gemma she was yeah five years older than me she liked watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer and she wanted to watch it mm-hmm. I caught it at one point and then uh, my mum found out and said yeah that's fine and I was like, awesome so I was watching like, Buffy <laughs> right. the Vampire Slayer like when I was at like, 10, 11, 12 it was amazing I think Willow was my first crush actually <laughs> from oh, that show really? yeah Alison Hannigan, Hannigan great mm-hmm. yeah I mean I don't like her as much in American Pie um as, yeah. But then obviously Buffy, she goes, she's a witch and she goes that season where she goes absolutely mental. And it's like, yeah, right. uh, I, it, I love that sort of thing. And so vampires, for, especially with my generation, you know, it, it's since they've been around for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But there was the, the the peak. Obviously, I'm not into Twilight. I've seen almost all of them with my oh, niece. God. But I know they offend me <laughs> with the shiny light. And it's like the one thing about vampires is sunlight. Come on. But I love Never. Blade and all that stuff. So vampires are like... I know they're not cryptids, but they're, they're one of my favourite legends. They're like that thing where it's like, it would be so cool if they existed, but it really wouldn't be, but it would be. Right. <laughs> well, and the really interesting thing about werewolves, too, is they kind of toe the line between legend and cryptid. I think those two are the most common things put together. I mean, yeah. zombies kind of in the older vampire stuff, but werewolves yeah. and vampires always, uh, when you have a double, if it's vampires by itself, whatever, but as soon as it's one other supernatural thing, it's almost always werewolves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then also, before we move on from Mr. Dracula Mm. uh, and vampires, you know how some of those graves that you see, the really old ones, have, like, cages over them? Oh, yes. So, a lot of people seem to think that that's to prevent the vampire from rising. Right. Um, It's actually, like, a a, a safe that's placed on the grave to prevent grave robbing. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, I actually, I I recently did a um a piece about Burke and Hare. Oh, I've, um, I've heard of them because there's that movie the I haven't seen. <laughs> about... Yeah, yeah, and it it talks a lot about how they would go into graveyards and they would you know rob human remains and they would sell the remains to medical schools and and what have you. And I mean, some people paid just ridiculous amounts of money to protect their loved ones' remains to keep them from getting stolen. <laughs> um, and other people just couldn't afford that so they just basically sat around the graveyard every night wow um 
until the body decomposed enough and then it wasn't usable. Hmm. So, so yeah, anyway, those cages, yeah, grave robbing. Not That's amazing. Vampires. But to do with werewolves and things, do you know why they're intertwined with vampires so much? And the sort of, I'm interested if, if I assume you know the sort of, is it lichen? It's to do with the lycanthropy, that sort of thing with werewolves? What is it? Is that what's called? Like, like, is it lichen? What's the oh, thing? Oh, lichens. Um, is that anything to do with werewolves? You know, yeah. I, you know, I kind of feel like a lot of the vampire werewolf lore was intertwined through pop culture. Mm, that's how I um, know about it. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think that that's because I mean, from from what I've done, and I am by no means um, an expert. I've just done a lot of research on on different topics, but. Um, from what I understand, those two legends are not connected. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people watched, uh, what was that movie with, um, Kate Beckinsale and Scott, Scott Speedman? Underworld. Underworld. Yeah. I think that when that movie came out, people started getting really super into werewolves and vampires and like, it was Uh. cool and you know, whatever. Um, there's also, uh, I'm sure, uni- like the Universal movie line. Hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure they have one that's like Dracula versus the werewolf or like Frankenstein versus the werewolf. I mean, they were constantly trying to put people together so that they could sell more seats, hmm. you know. And it's like, you know, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, you know, or like the Three <laughs> Stooges battle a werewolf. Like it was it was literally like just to put asses in seats. They were like, yeah, you know, we're going to put all these people together. But um, but yeah, I think primarily it was just pop culture. And, mm. you know, what what two things can we put together that are going to be really interesting? Well, if we do a movie about Van Helsing, you know, oh, well, you know, we'll throw vampires and werewolves in there and that'll be really cool. Um, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I recently finished watching, uh, what we do in the shadows. Uh, Is that the series or the movie? The series. I haven't seen the series yet. So the series is awesome. Oh, okay. I need to watch it then. Um, it's hilarious. The, um, the guy who plays Mr. Renham on the IT crowd. Oh, um, is it the boss you speak of? Yes. Is that Matt Berry? Yes, Matt Berry. Yeah, cool. so so he's in it. Um, oh, I love him. And he's, I mean, he's just hilarious. And like all the stupid like sexual innuendos and like whatever. <laughs> it's essentially like Mr. Renum as a vampire. That is the best. Um, but yeah, it was it was literally like watching an episode of The Office, but with vampires. <laughs> it was <laughs> fantastic. You know, all the the live, you know, the quote unquote live like interview tactic kind of. TV. I love those sort of shows. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I just finished watching that and I am just completely smitten with it. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie yet. I have to watch the movie uh, next. But so I've I've already seen the movie because I, I like the director uh, Taka Watiti because he did. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's done what we do in the shadows. He did a film called Boy that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok, Hunt mm-hmm. for the Wilder People. That I, I love that and Jojo Rabbit. Oh yeah, I seem mm. to recall something about Thor. People were worried that he was going to direct Thor and they were concerned that it was going to be like weird or strange or something. I don't know. I yeah. feel like I read an article about that recently, but they, I think they were worried and then he did it and it's one of the most popular. Of and all the, <laughs> it's, it's literally one of, it's probably my favorite of the, all the Marvel films bar probably right. end game, but he's also going to be doing a star Wars film as well uh, with oh, someone God. else. So it's like, 
Let him just at the moment. I'm like, just let him do what he wants. Do loads of weird, crazy things, and if they right. suck, we won't talk about them. Just but throw money just, at him. Yeah, let the crazy guy just be. He's so awkward. He's like someone yeah. I know described him as like um, he's so such dramatic things happen, but everyone reacts in such undramatic ways. Yeah, it's brilliant, and it's just like this constant like casualness to everything, and it, it's yeah. I love it. It's the New Zealand stuff, like flight of the Concords. Have you seen? Flight of the Concords. Oh, I think I like a oh my god, like a half dozen years ago. But yeah, yeah, it's it's quite old. But that sort of they're New Zealand, and obviously they're more musical. But it's that sort right. of humor. I just uh, I do love that. But yeah, vampires are such a. Oh, no, I was going to ask werewolves. Actually, you said about oh, there's a lot of werewolf uh, sightings in a sense around Wisconsin, around where you are. Did you say? Um. Yeah. So uh, the Holy Hill area. Um, Holy Hill is like, they have a really nice church there and there's some really nice grounds and stuff. Um, but apparently it is like a breeding ground for werewolves or something. Like people have experienced werewolves running alongside their car, um, late at night. They've experienced strange howling noises, uh, that they can't explain. Mm. Um, it doesn't sound like a normal wolf. It sounds like something larger, uh, Let's see. There's the uh, the Beast of Bray Road, which is another werewolf legend. There's there's literally a road um, in Wisconsin called Bray Road, and uh, apparently the the Bray Road Beast is like a werewolf human hybrid, something or other, hmm. um, that supposedly has torn people apart and <laughs> you know whatever. I mean, there's just there there's so much I don't know hearsay, I mm. guess. In those kinds of stories. Um, a lot of them, I think, were designed as cautionary tales. Uh, I think mm. we kind of talked about urban legends last time. and Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and how they're designed essentially to, to be cautionary tales. You know, don't go down there late at night because something bad will happen. Don't go here because something bad will happen. Um, and the something bad will happen is literally insert anything <laughs> that your mom or dad or grandparents can conjure up on a whim um and and insert into this threat you know don't go here or something bad will happen so yeah i I think that a lot of the stories were designed in some ways to do that um there are also adults who are reporting that they're seeing it uh so i don't really know i mean there's a documentary on amazon right now um i think called the beast of bray road okay um so if you have amazon prime it's you know free to to view, I don't know how much it is if you don't have Amazon Prime, but probably a couple of bucks, you know. Normally, yeah. Um, but it's it's a really good movie. Um, towards the end, they talk to a lady who has written an extensive book about the Beast of Bray Road and compiled all of the experiences um, that she's she's gotten from you know people who live in that particular area in the Holy Hill area. Yeah, so it's I mean it's it's a pretty interesting legend. Um and mm. some of those recordings that people are sharing, they're pretty spooky. Like it doesn't sound like a wolf. <laughs> it sounds like somebody like howling or screaming like a wolf, but it's, you know, dead of night and there's a slight fog and it's kind of delightful. <laughs> some of those weird crazy things. I remember when I was younger, um I think it was around Right at the end of school, so I was 15 or so, and I remember going to the library and taking out loads of uh, books about the paranormal, a ghost, and aliens. They were the two things that grabbed me uh, hugely. And I think that's because my brother, I've got a couple of older brothers, but um, one of them 
uh, called Rob. He's been on the podcast actually. He um he and I used to watch loads of films. He got me into Terminator and Aliens and Predator. And he'd always say, Mum would say he when I was. 12 plus mum said you can watch anything as long as there's no hard drugs or sex in it so that was <laughs> predator and aliens <laughs> and terminator and as much blood and gore and right. ridiculousness as possible as long as my brother said it was okay i remember once they said i couldn't watch i think it was my crazy ex-girlfriend i think it was oh. which is like an uber thurman movie that i still haven't seen to this day funnily enough but okay. because there were certain amount of sex references in and i was i think it was like I don't know, 11 or something and it was out on dvd or whatever and they said i couldn't watch that but i could watch predator 2 i was like <laughs> okay that's i mean i think there's a scene where someone gets skinned in that but that's cool You're right. uh, <laughs> I was gonna say. so I, I i got into aliens um and i think it's around the time where youtube first was a kind of being a thing i remember going on computers and things and i just for hours would look up alien and ghost things oh, sure. and you know i mean whether or not any of them would actually could be real is another story but some of them were so convincing like mm. it, you i look i watched i remember watching one of them now now like a year or two ago i looked one of them up and i remember it being quite freaking you watch it now and you're like god no this is so <laughs> how could i even conceive right. this is real this is like, clearly one, fake yeah yeah like there's a, a big noise or something and someone runs to the, the room and then you hear a, a loud bang and he turns and you see an alien face that turns and runs and but it's right. literally like have you seen Alien Autopsy, the film? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw that when it premiered on TV. Yeah, with Adam and Deck in yeah. it. Yeah. They're the two guys. You always make me sound just like so old whenever it's <laughs> back. It's like, you, well, you know, we went to the drive-in and it was such a, well, I mean, I went to the drive-in, like the first movie I ever seen, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's the alien autopsy, like the thing they've got in, in basically that film on the table, it was yep. basically one of those things. Uh, yep. Their YouTube camera, there's really low res with a night vision stuff, and then ran. And I remember being so freaked out when I was younger, and then I watched that now, and I'm like, damn it. But they, you can only go down a rabbit hole, and you, you so want to watch one where it's like infallible. But now, because of computer technology and everything, it, yeah. the chance of an actual alien sighting being caught and put on YouTube... And not being some ridiculous amount of world news is right. very unlikely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that's where my sort of love for it. I read books and stuff like ghosts and things like that. I, I'm not sure if I asked you last time we spoke. Is there? I know that you've mentioned about uh, potential paranormal experiences and things, but have you? Uh, is your family? Do they believe in in that sort of thing? Is that where it started, or what was the kind oh, of? Oh no. <laughs> Oh, it's the opposite, isn't it? Uh yeah. Um, my dad is very much. Um, He's very straight-laced when it comes to what's going on in the world. Things are a certain mm. way, and there's no gray area. I see. Um, my grandparents are the same way. Uh, I was I was raised um, essentially to look at everything through a lens of this is probably not real, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then kind of go from there. Yeah. But for me, I mean, I like I remember going to the creepy kid in high school and getting a loan of the VHS tapes of Faces of Death. What was Faces of Death? Can I recall? And like I've it was it. it was like these creepy videotapes that showed like autopsies and, and stuff oh. and like like severe accidents or whatever. And uh, it was like this big thing. And I remember like me and a bunch of my friends went down into the basement and we were watching it as low as we possibly could, like all <laughs> lying on the floor right in front of the TV watching faces of death and i remember i wasn't like super disturbed by it but a lot of people were and i was like why 
Like, why are you super disturbed by this? This is not like some of it. Some of it, you could absolutely look at it and be like, yeah, that's that's fake. Like, that's not like that's clearly ketchup and jello and whatever. <laughs> and like they went to the butcher and they got innards or sausages or something. And that's what this is. But then there's that other side of it that you're like, but that kind of looks a little real, maybe. I'm not really sure. Um, and that's kind of the way that my brain has always operated. Like, I've always been, well, that kind of, I mean, that's a little weird. Like, what is that? And then I have to go in and, like, dig and try to figure out. But, yeah, I mean, when I was growing up, my um, my upbringing was... Uh, a little strict. I think I told you the last time that uh, my parents got divorced when I was like 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, I went to live with my grandparents for some time. And my grandmother was of the opinion that little girls, ladies, young ladies, um, are not out past like 8 p.m. at night. <laughs> and they don't do certain things and they don't wear certain things and they act a certain way. And so she was Roman Catholic and my grandfather was Salvation Army. Uh, my father was Salvation Army. Uh, a lot of people think that Salvation Army is just a thrift store. It's not. It's an actual religion. <laughs> um, and it's very strict. Like, God punishes. And, like, God's going to get you. Like, mm. <laughs> like bad. It's bad. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, I, I was raised that way. And um, I was never allowed to do or say a lot of the things that, you know, I I do and say now, which is why I'm so kind of out there and crazy shit. Interesting. But yeah, I just, I, you know, I, I got to a point in my life, I think when I was like in my teens, like my late teens, I decided that I was just going to do what I wanted to do to like figure out what was happening in the world around me. Um, because so many people in my life had told me, well, that's not real. Well, that's not true. And it's like, but who are you? What do you know? <laughs> you know, like, so I, I've always been kind of a cynic. Um, but also that person who has that little like Jiminy Cricket voice in the back of their head, like, but what if, you know? Mm. And I, I think that's, that's largely the way that I operate is on the what if. Um, yeah. I mean, in terms of aliens, I don't really have a firm stance on aliens. Um, I'm not really sure I believe or disbelieve. I do mm. know that the universe is very, very big and yes. there could very well be something somewhere. I think there's more galaxies in the um, universe than there are grains of sand on Earth I mean, or something. Yeah, like, it's, it's entirely possible. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the paranormal, I mean, I've personally had paranormal experiences. I've had them since I was very young. So, I mm. mean, when I, when I talk about that stuff, I can... I can personally say with an absolute certainty that those things happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then somebody else has that voice in the back of their head. That's like, but wait, like, <laughs> you know, what are, is what you're telling me true or, you know, is it something that you made up or whatever? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that we all have a little bit of cynic in us. Yeah. It's, know? it's, it's one of those with, I've said it with ghosts before. There's a lot of people whose opinions I, trust uh completely you know and things you know everyone's got not in quotes, the weird friend but you've got people who believe in things that are very different to you and quite out there and i'm normally the friend who loves chatting with these people especially I've, i go to festivals and things and get intoxicated and i love sitting around a campfire late at night and chatting with someone mm-hmm. um and we just 
like a lot of time it's ridiculousness about the universe but it's so fun to talk about like for example i'm not mocking if anyone believes this but for example the aliens back thousands of years ago you know 200,000 years ago whatever came down either mated with us or helped us technology or some sort of thing and then that made is one of the reasons why the human brain size doubled in size in such a short period of time i i don't believe that happened if you if you said to you i think that is what happened in human history i would say i don't but i love talking to people who believe that because it's it's such a fun thing to talk about and i go there's no there's no harm if someone if someone's believing that and they're putting detriment to their family and they're thinking aliens are going to come back and they start ruining their lives and things like literal tin hats i'd say okay you know take it down a notch <laughs> but if you're just someone who likes to get a bit mullered and likes to chat about what right. if aliens oh that would explain this wouldn't it oh yeah but it would explain that too and it's fun and i feel like that with the paranormal and i feel like that with even to some degree, religion in a different mm. way, depending on who it is, because obviously religion can be quite a uh, powerful and also unfortunately toxic in certain ways, sure. in, obviously. Uh, but I'm not saying people who are religious are bad in any way, shape or form. But it's that sort of thing where even though I don't believe in any religion and I don't necessarily believe that ghosts do... I'm not like, ghosts do not exist and I'm 100%. It is that I don't think they exist, but yeah. I love hearing paranormal experiences. I love going into places that people are haunted and you do feel something like sure. one of my favorite things is castles and in britain i'm, I'm so thankful oh, for living yeah. in britain because we've got such history and so many people invaded us over the years that we've got so many different things that are so cool and i love going into old castles and me and my girlfriend we were planning on going this um my girlfriend megan she has a name uh, we <laughs> we go on this trip uh it was going to be around europe and things in august uh but we'll postpone that to next year now so right. we're just going to go around England and we're going to castles and museums and just loads of cool. I think we're going to go to like a cider, uh, cider orchard at some point oh, as well, sure. yeah. which I love cider. But I just love castles and museums. And when you walk somewhere, you just feel how fucking old it is. It's mm-hmm. so cool. And that That's one of the things that I love about ghosts is that you always get them in some of the coolest yeah. places. And there's always a great story to go and why this is haunted. The woman in the white dress who saved all these army soldiers, but then saved someone, saved a bad soldier and then, or not bad, the enemy soldier, but then the good soldiers on our side killed her for betraying. And there's all this right. cool history. And if it doesn't matter if there's a ghost, because the yeah. story and the environment is cool enough. And that's what I really like about your show and also talking with you. Cause it's just, it doesn't matter. I don't like when people are like, you can't talk about aliens because they don't exist. It's like, well, yeah. my opinion My opinion on aliens, and I'll, I'll ask a question to you because I'm just rambling, <laughs> is just that aliens, I believe they exist in the universe somewhere, as in a life that maybe one could argue is sentient in some ways like us, or maybe dogs and cats, that sort of thing. You know, that level of being. I believe there's got to be a planet that has some degree of life on it. But do I think they've necessarily come here and visited us and we've got evidence of them? Statistically, I think it's unlikely. But it's fun to talk about. I mean, I think that if they have, they wouldn't be telling us. No, they would be so (laughs) They wouldn't be leaving calling cards. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) We were here. Sorry, we missed you. Like, no, (laughs) there wouldn't be any shit like that. It would just be like... Yeah, okay, so we went there on this, you know, such and such a did star date, da-da-da-da-da, and they were doing this, and we found it really fascinating, and so we're going to log it, and then, you know, in 25 years' time, we're going to go back again, mm. you know? But yeah, I, I always find the um, the concept of, like, alternate realities really fascinating. Yes. Um, and I I almost feel like we're living alongside different realities, so, like... 
we're here right now, but to the right of me and behind me, perhaps there's something else going on in, in a different world, in a different time, in a different place. Mm. Um, and it's kind of the way that I look at death as well. And it's, I mean, it's a little hokey because I have kind of sort of started thinking this ever since I saw the movie Mirrors with Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, I think I remember you saying about this before. I, yeah. Please tell me again. I, I love this. Tell, say it again. It's so amazing. It's, okay, so it's a movie about this guy who gets a job as a security guard at, I think it's a store, some sort of like old um, retail space. And there's there's something about the, the mirrors. So there's like some sort of, it's been a while since I've seen it, but um, there's some sort of, I don't know if it's alien or like paranormal, something, something going on behind all of these mirrors. And so there's this room in the basement that he goes into and he can see this completely other world. And at the end, there's like a really weird, like, I don't want to give it away, but there's like a twist ending um, where he's looking into the mirror and the mirror is looking back at him. And like, it's just... Yeah, it's it's very strange, but it's something that I think I can get behind just because I'm not particularly religious um, because I feel like religion equals creepy, too creepy for me, even. <laughs> um, I actually it's really funny. I had a conversation with my grandmother. My grandmother was like, you know, I don't understand why you enjoy all this creepy stuff. Like, it really worries me that like you collect bones and like like weird stuff. And I said, Nan, you're Roman Catholic. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> We're going to have this conversation? You're in a glass house right now. <laughs> like, no. I mean, they collect, like, saints' bones. And, like, you go to the Vatican and they have, like, the past popes and, like, little, you know, and they're, like, green, like, weird little green men and those red. They look like the Grinch. Yeah. Like, they're, you know, and they're in these cases, you can go and look at them. I'm like... That's the weirdest shit ever. And you're going to tell me that because I have a raccoon skull in my collection, that's too creepy for you? I just, yeah, I don't know. It's funny, the, the crucifix as well, I was going to say, there's so many churches because I went to a Catholic primary school. Oh, Neither right. of my parents are religious, mm -hmm. uh, but I went to a Catholic primary school. And so when we went to mass and church and things, uh, there's a big Jesus crucified with uh, <laughs> the things in his hand, you yeah. know, the, 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 the bolts and things in his mm -hmm. hands and his feet with the thorn crown bleeding. Yeah. And when we're mm -hmm. having these nice songs about God is love and all that sort of stuff, which yep. is fine, whatever. And you're looking at this crucified <laughs> guy up there and it's like... That that's pretty damn weird. Like that that yeah. bones are cool. And Tuxedo stuff is really cool too. But it's like yeah. that is a bit <laughs> a bit of a push for you and me. <laughs> yeah. Um. At the college that I I got my bachelor's degree from, um, it's a Franciscan institution. Um. So like Saint Francis of Assisi, the poor man okay. from Assisi. And in like when you go down one of their main hallways. At the top of a bank of stairs, like staring you right in the face, is the San Damiano Cross. And I don't know if you're familiar with the San Damiano Cross, I'm but not. smaller versions are okay. They're okay. It's okay. When you blow it up to like 17 feet tall, Ooh. his abs look like an erect penis. <laughs> so it's literally like... A man being crucified and really enjoying it in the middle of this Catholic university. And I'm like, can we go somewhere else and study for this math final? Because I can't stand Jesus's erection right now. I just can't do it today. It's too much. 
But yeah, they, I mean, they have one in every single classroom and it's literally like 18 inches high and it's fine. You can't, you know, like there's nothing the matter with that, but he's, when he's so big, it just, (laughs) it doesn't work. And the nuns don't get it. They don't see it. And everybody else who's like, I don't know what the word would be, worldly, (laughs) um, who has maybe seen one, um, knows that that is, you know, yeah. So that's the package. It's, I mean, Jesus is the whole package. Yeah, that's it. That's all you need. Jesus's whole package. Indeed. It is is a weird one with, um, with the paranormal, especially. And obviously we speak about vampires that are legends and things, Mm -hmm. but like even with werewolves, there's religion has often played. And I think, I don't know if it's because of the media putting a spin on it, the films like The Exorcist and stuff, or and mm. probably predating that, of it's always been, you know, vampire films, holy water and crucifixes, as well as right. you know, multitude of other things. With werewolves, it's the silver bullet, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Now, that hasn't got a religious context to it necessarily, but... But a lot that's of the time sometimes we... the case for vampires, too. Mm. I, I've seen that in oh, Vampire Legend. Like... Yeah, it depends because obviously certain vampire legends they say about garlic and then as the years have gone on, probably because in films they feel like it's too complicated to be like, mm-hmm. oh, if you've eaten garlic bread, unless it's a comedy, you eat right. the garlic bread, you can't go near <laughs> vampires. Normally they're just like that. Let's forget about garlic because we talk about it. It's right. like the core, the yeah. core ones. But do you, do you have an idea of why you think maybe there's been this religion in, in certain legends and lore, there's been the religiosity sort of intertwined? Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's not really so outlandish to want to battle evil if you're really religious Mm. you know and like what's the most evil thing that you can think of probably fucking dracula (laughs) (laughs) like i mean you know i like i keep saying this but like i'm no expert um but i mean it it's like flavor of the week right like who are we against this week um and (laughs) Yeah, I mean that you know vampires and werewolves. I mean they're they're like the the they're almost like mirrors of like the deepest darkest parts of ourselves. Too like if you think about it, um, feeding on other people, being a succubus. Hmm. Um, I mean that that's a very powerful thing to be able to draw power out of another human being. Um, and then of course you know you have the power of Christ compels you. <laughs> and that you know that holy light to protect you so i mean it's i i feel like it's just yeah it's just this invented kind of oh yeah you know we're we're gonna protect ourselves now with jesus christ because linda blair is spewing pea soup all over the room and the only thing that can protect us is well potentially a raincoat but also the power of jesus christ so it's it's funny how the culture is moving on where as so many more uh, countries and communities are becoming either more agnostic or more atheistic. Mm. Um, and because I think the top three religions in the world, I think is Christianity, Islam, and then uh, atheism due to, mm. as a population, I believe it is. Um, right. And it's, it's very interesting. I think, I, I think Iceland was one of the first countries. And I think there's been a, maybe a couple of Nordic countries since I might be wrong on that, but I know there's been a couple of East, uh, Northern Eastern European and the Nord- Nordic countries and things. Some of them are now, primarily when they do the census number one people are atheist and what's interesting with that is not number one people that's made it sound really weird the the number one religious uh 
the way people would identify themselves religiously in the census, the number one thing was atheism for mm. a couple of these uh, countries. And what's interesting is where the culture is becoming either more atheist or less of militant religious people. There's mm. so many more moderate Christians I know who just believe in a God and that's right. relatively it. And it's with the culture now has went from, oh, you know, the power of Christ compels you to now in a lot of horror films, it's actually a religious cult who are oh, the right. antagonist, mm-hmm. which, is, which is a really interesting thing. I know there's been... Uh, previous things like that but um yeah it, it's really interesting how it's changed sort of with that that's probably what it was like oh religion christianity you're a good christian household you know and therefore in all our movies the christians beat evil and now it's like people understand that there can be toxic religiosity right so now there's there's a lot more culty films and things about religious cults going mental and executing people sure and I mean, you know, when you so if we're talking about, you know, creatures that may or may not exist um, in terms of religion, um, Spring Hill Jack was in existence in the, in the 19th century, I think around like 1837. Hmm. Um, and he was actually used as a tool to keep people in line. Um, he was, you know, it was a story told to little children to make sure that they went to bed on time. Um but it was also a tool used by the church to okay. have people come in and pray more and pray harder. Um, I mean, Spring Hill Jack was this creature that could jump the height of a building and spew blue flames out of his mouth and um, would knock on people's doors late at night. And, you know, if a young woman opened up the door, he would literally like tear her clothing to shreds with like these giant claws. You know, he was a demon. He was a monster. Well, how do we combat this, this demonic entity? Well, obviously we have to turn to religion. Mm. Um, and I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Like you said, the religion has kind of flipped to the other side now of being kind of toxic um, and having toxic effect. Uh, like, I think um, I I watched, what did I watch recently? Um, I forget what it's called. Something about Scientology with Leah Remini? Oh, maybe? Leah Remini. Yes. Um, she, oh, she's got a talk show, hasn't she? Surviving she Scientology? Something. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I've heard her talk about it on a podcast. Yeah, just she yeah. used to be a Scientologist and, well, ages ago now. Yeah. And no longer is one. Yeah, so I mean, you know, there's there's a whole series where she goes around, she talks to people who were previously involved in Scientology and have essentially run away from that mm. organization um, to try to separate themselves from it and have had negative effects from that, um, have been attacked and, um, you know, have have had negative experiences because of the religious group that they've been affiliated with. Um you know, that's that's true of Scientology. That's true of um, the uh, the the, you know, Jonestown massacre. A lot of people, you know, wanted to get away from Jonestown because, um, you know, Jim Jones was toxic and, you know, whatever. And so we have, you know, new Netflix specials coming out about that. Um, we have new Netflix specials coming out about Waco um, and how, you know, that kind of religion is toxic. So, I mean, it, you know, I, I feel like not all religion is toxic. No. But if you give somebody the power to wield, they can take that anywhere they want. Literally anywhere they want. I mean, I know that there are religions out there that take like 10% of your paycheck. And they take that and they put that in their coffers and whatever. Like that should be a genuine gift 
like something that you want to physically give. Like I remember mm-hmm. the collection play coming around um, when I would go to um, church with my grandmother and uh, you know, you, you, the collection plate came around and you put a couple of dollars in the collection plate. And that was, it was an at will. It was a goodwill gesture. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are these other churches and religions that are like, no, we're just going to garnish your wages. Like what, what is that? You know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say that every religion in the world, all religions are toxic, but I mean, they certainly have the power to be. Mm. Um, and I think that's the scary part, you know? Yeah. Like, as is the case with any human being. I mean, anyone is capable of doing something terrible to somebody else. Anybody is capable of losing their senses and, like, harming somebody else and winding up in prison. Um, I always tell people, like, I'm I'm not going to look at people in prison and be like, oh, well, I would never, you know, like, those people are stupid. Like, what are they doing in prison? I would never be so stupid as to do something that would land me in prison. Well, <laughs> you know, I can't say that. Because I could totally be that person that, like, loses their shit one day and just, you know, does something stupid and winds up in prison. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not it's not even really so much, like, religion or non-religion or, you know, whatever. It's just humanity, you know? Circumstance. A lot and of it circumstance. Is. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just the lot that you've been given mm-hmm. and uh, the lot that you feel like you should do something with. Mm-hmm. You know, and whether that's positive or negative, I mean, it, it's up to the person. We have free will. Um, whatever created us gave us free will to do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're just we're going to do whatever. And, you know, we're just going to have to deal with the repercussions. That's just how it goes. It is one of those. It's it's like I think of the example of the Westboro Baptist Church, where there's a lot of people who've, who've left it. I think yeah. Megan Phelps is one of them, and I've listened to podcasts with her as well. And she's an incredible individual, and she was in. She was born in the church, and so like yeah. a lot of um, what they call like intellectual atheists, I'll call them like uh, Richard Dawkins, uh, Sam Harris, uh, Christopher Hitchens, the sort of you know ones who have conventions against, well, not religions anymore, but right. the famous atheists, in a sense, who speak about religion in certain ways. And they, they've said before where it's like, you can, it's the idea, I think, that's a lot of the time, not necessarily the problem, but it's once someone gets indoctrinated, if, if someone, if someone has, if someone is, say, in air quotes, not born, but say if someone's born with a, a, a screw loose in, in a really, there's a really easy uh, metaphor for it to be like an extreme version. Someone's just a psychopath. They just have zero empathy of any kind right. at all. And they're just born that way. That person could be a business owner. If he, if he had rich in a air quotes, rich white family, you know, as an example, he could become top of a CEO business. But if he was in an impoverished community and he was a person of color, potentially in a place where it was already had a lot of issues in that realm, that person the psychopathy would change from saying being business and being cutthroat shark in a business, but never killing anyone to mm-hmm. if you got into a gang, if you got into, if right. you're on the wrong side of things. And it's, it's like, I've had people with me, myself speak about, you know, circumstance and things, and I'm quite good with numbers. Right. Well, if I was born in, say it was the same mind and same parents, but the circumstances of finances and location were different. If I, I could have got into drug dealing or my right. akin for maths could have helped me and I could have gone down that path and I may not be in the job I'm in now. And it, it's interesting to see there are, as you say, people in prison and a lot of it is either circumstances out of their control and they made decisions which did not help themselves or right. there's, there are people in prison who had like a moment of 
mm-hmm. of rage that is wrong. And I'm not trying to justify a lot of people in there, but like right. you know, if I was in if I was in town with my girlfriend, said again, Megan, and if I was not giving her a name, just forget it. She's, I'm sure she's no. grateful that she gets a name. <laughs> yeah she's been on the podcast a few times as well so it makes it even worse <laughs> i'm not naming her because any regular listeners actually know right. but still it's uh, if i was in town like i would never want to hit anyone and i could say i would never kill anyone but right. as you said if i was in a situation where someone had a knife on megan and i saw an opportunity and it was them or megan mm-hmm. i would probably kill them and then i'd go to prison right so and that is an extreme example but that mm-hmm. is a really easy in a sense black and white way of looking at it and the more you kind of change the goalposts the right. more gray it becomes and mm-hmm. that's when i i completely agree with what you've said is yeah you don't know what people are capable of well and i mean not everybody who is in prison is a, a carl ripkin you know <laughs> not everybody who's in prison is a jeffrey dahmer no um you know i mean those those people are few and far between the majority of people who are in prison are in prison for just I mean, like you said, circumstance, um, doing what they have to do, um, essentially to to live and feed their families, get by, whatever. Um, or you know, they've they've done something like they've lied on their taxes, mm. and now they're and you know they they have parking tickets that are not paid. Um, yeah. They were pulled over and they smelled like marijuana, so now they're in jail. For six and months. And we're in one of the states that like, doesn't have one that's legal. But if you go a few miles that way, then it's fine. Right. That's a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a very like bizarre. You, you bought some edibles in Chicago and then you drove to Wisconsin and got pulled over. Well, you just brought drugs over state line. Guess where you're going? Prison. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, I mean, there's, there's no way to say, ultimately. Like, if I was in the same position, I went out somewhere with my wife, we were threatened, and I had to do something, I would do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm not a violent person. I've never hurt anybody else in my life. But if something were to threaten her or threaten my life, I would have to do something. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that might land me in some hot water. But that's something that you just have to do because there's crazy people in the world. You know, like. (laughs) What side of crazy you want to sort of be on and things. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah being human is is so weird and what i find the weirdest is when people sort of we spoke about this a little bit last time is when people almost criticize you for being or criticize one for being a air quotes weird person collecting skulls mm. or having star wars tattoos or which is you know i think that me having star wars tattoos is more weird than collecting skulls because i think collecting skulls is amazing and cool but i i I've, have been called know. a serial killer on more than one occasion because i collect, to me. yeah taxidermy and skulls and stuff yeah but they're so cool you go if you go to a museum and you see you know taxidermy stuff there's some of the coolest museums i've been in are just filled with just random stuff explorers have gathered over the years i mean i've personally never wandered into the milwaukee museum and thought wow that curator that motherfucker is a serial killer (laughs) absolutely never even crossed my mind um but yeah i mean i i consider my collection to be akin to kind of like a dime store like a mini dime dime museum Mm. Um, you know, you pay your dime and then you get to go in and like, look at whatever. And like when people come over, like if my friends come over, they want to see my collection. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, it's a request. Like, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, and I mean, I've, I've added some new things. Like I've got, um, some fossilized, um, remains from a whale, uh, baby oh, awesome. whale. Um, I've got a company called Eccles. 
um, made wax um, noses and like ears and parts of the face for like morticians to use. Mm. Um, so I have a wax nose in my collection now. That's cool. Um, just a disembodied nose that just hangs <laughs> out in my office. Um, and then, you know, I mean, I, I have my taxidermy. I have several different kinds of taxidermy. I have wet specimens. Uh, some of them I've preserved myself. I taught myself how to do that because I think it's interesting to be able to further preserve that life after it's gone so mm. that it can be enjoyed. Yeah, it doesn't make me a serial killer. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't. It's, it's The weird thing is that I, I've said, I can't remember if I said this to you before, but I've said the podcast a couple of times where it's like people, this is the weirdest thing about it. You don't choose what you like. You can right. choose. You can choose what you you buy. You can choose what you fill your house with. You can choose what you spend your time doing, but at the end of the day, you know I like, relatively speaking, everything apart from sport and cars. They're just two things. Mm -hmm. I like playing sport, but I play football or uh, hockey or basketball. Any of those things, I like right. playing them because it's fun. It's exercise, whatever. But if you said hey, you want to sit down and watch three hours of it, it's like <laughs> if I'm with a couple of people who really want to. Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll hang out and watch it. But if you're like, do I? Would I choose that? No. But or I mean, I like you're down to the pub or something. You're hanging out with friends and the soccer game is on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if that, I don't. That's fine. I'm more than happy to do that. There's or sorry, the, the football game. If the football game. Yeah, is on. Well, soccer, football. Yeah, it's <laughs> and it's it's funny with it because even when like the World Cup was on and things, like I don't have, yeah. I don't care about football. But when the World Cup's on, I was getting like, oh, England's doing well. I'm happy for everyone in the in England who cares about football that they're happy and I was getting right. into it because everyone else was and it's a camaraderie but I don't actually care about sport at all it's just yeah. not anything that appeals to me but I don't at work I've got a couple of I've worked based stuff we give each other shit because you know I'm a massive Star Wars nerd and movies oh, right. and etc and they they don't see it in the same way but I go well you guys are you guys are nerds too and they're well, not really not, but you can name every footballer over the last like 30 years that have played for like any team you can literally i can say a team to you in a year and you'll tell me where in the premier league they right. were you're a nerd like you're just a sports right. nerd you know you know about these games that people like to play and people watch them i however like to watch made-up fantasies about space wizards they're right. not they're both equally inconsequential to anything they don't really right. apart from the monetary value to the economy in some argument apart from that they don't mean anything so everything is fair game if you want to like what you like yeah. and I, I love your eclectic collection like if i was everyone was constant i would just visit you and just come <laughs> see it all because that'd be that nice little, and i'd give you a dime as well yeah right yeah well yeah price of <laughs> the price of admission yeah exactly yeah. but yeah i mean it's like it ranges from taxidermy and and wet specimens and um oh another recent ad was a mummified goat Oh, I think I saw that on Facebook or something. Somebody, yeah, somebody sent me a mummified goat. Uh, apparently, it's a symbol of, like, good luck. Okay. I don't know, but he's cute. Uh, his name is Arthur. He has, like, a little Amazing. tag around his neck, and it says Arthur. That's so cool. Um, I think that the other part of my collection, I, I, I feel like I talked about this a little bit um, last time, too, is uh, knowing where all the pieces come from. Hmm. Um, it's almost akin to knowing where you come from. Like there's, there's that much of a comfort in it mm. for me. Um, you know, for example, like I can walk into my office right now and pick anything off the shelf and be like, I got this from, you know, this specific place. And, you know, the guy who sold it to me, like, for example, um, Walter, uh, he's my favorite piece of taxidermy. Uh, he's a full mount javelina, uh, peccary pig. Okay. Yeah. 
Amazing. And uh, I got him from Craigslist. And the guy who was selling him uh, gave me, like, all of the paperwork that goes with him. And he was actually, like, a B-movie prop. Oh. So he was used in a really shitty horror movie called Havelina. Oh, okay. um, and you can actually, if you go on YouTube and you type in Havelina movie, um, you'll get the opportunity to watch Walter run, quote unquote, run <laughs> alongside a sports utility vehicle for like five minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it he he has a story. So it's almost like the pieces of my collection are like people. Mm. Like it's almost like being interconnected with other people. Um I think it's the main reason why I gravitate towards, like, the oddball groups on Facebook. Uh, because I know that if I go in there, nobody's going to be like, oh, well, you're a serial killer. Like, why would you collect, <laughs> you know, a raccoon skull? That's terrible. Um, you know, or why would you preserve wet specimens? Like, what are you, you know, what are you going to do with that? Like, yeah. So yeah. I gravitate towards these groups where people are already kind of like, outcasts and like considered yeah. weird and you know or like i can't talk to my significant other about it because she's disgusted or like <laughs> she's just not interested in it um yeah i mean it's it's one of those things like through my collection i've managed to build a community um of people who have collections themselves mm. and now it seems like their collections are slowly migrating into my collection <laughs> so like they'll they'll post something and they'll be like oh, I want twenty bucks for this and I'm like oh, do I want that oh, do I need it oh, I don't need it but I do want it uh, so yeah did... I mean I just got a box of little odds and ends somebody sent to me uh, it was like a porcupine quill there was a fox pelvis cleaned like bone mm. um, a couple of little shells. Uh, a couple of weird seed pods from like a, I think there's something called like a bat plant or a bat flower or something. And the seed pod actually looks like a bat. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, people people pack stuff up and <laughs> send stuff to me all the time. And um, it usually happens right after I put out an issue of the literary journal, uh, which just happened. It's a Corpus so, Review. Yeah, yep. So, uh, yeah, I, I just recently released that. So I'm still getting like little trickles of things in the mail just to say thank you for, you know, publishing them or whatever. I really wish they would just donate money. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, that sounds kind of bad, but like I, I kind of wish they would because then I could pay for web hosting. That would be nice um, because, you know, raccoon skulls don't pay the rent, right? <laughs> no um, and i don't think there's something that's going to necessarily increase in value and, and, unless right. raccoons suddenly go extinct <laughs> right yeah random seashells probably you know beach glass probably not gonna yeah. this is not fair, a trade and barter system no it's not it, unless there's like an apocalypse thing and then instead of like bottle caps being the currency right. you have seashells and that's the currency that you're in it seashells like, yes. and animal skulls <laughs> or like random stamp collections <laughs> um gotten like random stamps in the mail i just yeah it's just weird i got old keys if i find if i find like an old key somewhere not, not oh, like a proper right. house key i just like really old. i've got one that this is but you know it's this big mm. it's and it's it's so old that if you put it into a lock and twisted it it would snap oh, would it's that snap thin up? and broken but i just it's cool because mm. it, it's part of that yeah, fun that, that wonder like I've, I've always been like this sounds 
this could be taken the wrong way, but I don't mean like that. I'd love to have almost x-ray vision and walking down the street. I love looking like from the, from the pavement or from the sidewalk. I like looking and seeing if people's houses are open as in the, the curtains are uh, undrawn oh, and open. Sure. You can see, you can see how they've made their lounge, especially if their house yeah. is very similar in structure or uh, things to uh, what your house is or anything like that. And you see them and you just go, all these people who are just born into the world without choice. And I just have to live the first, you know, probably 10 to 15 years without really any choice of free will bar really really small things like what you want to wear what you vaguely want to eat and right. then you get your own little weird nest place and you just collect weird things and put them in a house and it's yours and i just love i love when i get in like a new friend or meet someone who i've, I've known for a while who maybe i had to the house or something and you go in the house it's like i can't make a big deal because it looks like i'm gonna steal stuff like <laughs> but i just so why are you taking so much interest in that coat hanger it's like right. oh, it's not i just think it looks really cool next to that door next to my back mm. door hmm. it, mm. but I, it's just so interesting where how people put, organize things mm-hmm. it's just random stuff none of it means anything apart from kitchen appliances and maybe you could argue a tv but everything else is just you know like old people and not old people but rugs and mm. pictures of family on the wall but also frame movie posters like mm-hmm. people just i love it and I, I think the thing about history and a lot of the the sort of odd things that you collect which i think are really cool it's just as you say everything has a story and mm-hmm. even if it's just you look at someone's house you can tell certain things about them it's just a nice way to familiarize yourself with a person without actually having to say anything right well and it's interesting because you know if you walked into my house you wouldn't like none of my collection is in the main house hidden away it's it's in a room up over a flight of stairs (laughs) like and i mean it's it's there because a lot of the stuff my wife is not keen. She doesn't want wet specimens in the living room. Like, this is not a thing that she <laughs> wants, um, that she desires. So the only thing that I am allowed to keep in the main part of the house that might give you a hint as to exactly how weird I am is a taxidermied duck gaff. What's a gaff? Um, so gaff taxidermy is essentially when you attach things to a piece of taxidermy that normally wouldn't be there. For example, oh. a jackalope is a gaff. Okay. Because there's no such thing as a jackalope. It's a rabbit and an antelope. <laughs> I see. Oh, okay. Smooshed together. I see um, what you mean. Frankenstein so the, the duck that I have is in a little um, glass case, a little cloche. Um, kind of. I mean, it's it's only small. It's like less than 18 inches. Okay. Um, and it's kind of tucked into one side of this shelf that when you immediately when you walk in through the door, the shelf is there. But you really have to look to see the two headed duck. Amazing. So he's just kind of tacked, you know, he's tucked in there. Um, and his name is Frank and Duck. Amazing. Um, one of them is Frank and the other one is Duck. So the <laughs> Frank and Duck. Frank and Duck. Yeah. Genius. But yeah, I mean that's that's the only the only real thing that would give you a clue. Um, my wife is also really into like fantasy and like myths and legends and stuff. But like Arthurian mm. legends. Oh, um, nice the round table. That's what jazz. Yeah, yeah, she's Dragons, big into that. So like we have um, we have a helmet, um, like a Crusaders helmet that I bought for her for Christmas one year. That's in the entryway. 
Um, if you look on the walls, there's an artist in Newfoundland. Um, I forget what his name is, but like six years ago when we were back home visiting family in Newfoundland, um, we got to go to his studio and take a little tour. And he does um, kind of like storytelling, fantasy kind of artwork. Mm. Um, so we have one that's a mermaid. We have another one that is um, like a long, like a long ship. Okay. Um, getting tossed in the ocean. And then there's another one of a tiny ship getting tossed in the ocean. And underneath it is a huge kraken. Oh, like, amazing. Coming up through. So, I mean, there's there's little hints. <laughs> But you won't really know the extent of the shit that you've gotten into until you go up <laughs> over the stairs and open the office door. That's when you're like, whoa, okay. <laughs> There's hints all around yeah. the house, or little Easter eggs, and then you, you find, yeah, you find the, the Alice in Wonderland door, and you open up, and it's right. all the craziness. Well, you know, I kind of want to take that door to my office off and ah. put on one of those, like, bookshelf doors. Oh, amazing. Because we never have enough space <laughs> for books. Because my wife's an avid reader. Mm. Um, so if I got a bookshelf door, then that means that I could put books on the bookshelf door. And then I could open the bookshelf door and go into like my secret office, which I think would be really cool. But Would you try and have it where you have like a specific book and you pull that out and that is the special lever? Or would you have it just like a, a more simple one? Oh, where I, it's think, just a- I think they're designed so that like there's a section, like a little section that you reach into and there's a little mm. knob. Okay. Yeah. I'm not even thinking something that in depth. You're like <laughs> I'm, I'm, going I way go above my out. head on it. Yeah. Next next stage is gonna be you get your own castle, right? And <laughs> then you press level. the the bricks in a certain right. way and the whole, you know, like the wall things. opens. And yeah, it's like, like yeah. 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 That's exactly it. That that's what <laughs> it's easy to do. God, that wouldn't be horrendously right. expensive and unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> How many bracken skulls could you buy with that? That right. kind of money. God. <laughs> Oh, man. I was going to say, uh, if you've got uh, still time, if there's not, uh, I'm not keeping you up or anything, if you've got another 15, 20 minutes or so. Oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, wonderful. I was going to ask you about, um, there's a theory that I heard about, um, which is Terence McKenna's theory, actually. And he's a famous uh, psychonaut and things, which is a basically avid drug, drug taker. And <laughs> okay. um, he he spoke about this theory and it, and it combines with a lot of other things uh, that I was speaking with Megan about earlier, actually. And there's... It's about two hundred thousand years ago or so. Um, there was the the, the Homo species, um, which was like more ape-like. Basically, their brain size doubled in the sense of the amount of percentage body weight it was taking up doubled, and so our oh. brains are disproportionately larger compared to our bodies than a lot of other mammals and things. And it happened really, really quickly in an unusual way. And there's a lot of interesting theories as to how that happened. And um, one of them is the stone ape theory which is um, that in cow pats, cow dung, uh, psilocybin mushrooms grew, so magic mushrooms, and for, they wouldn't be monkeys, you know, be the ancestor that we share the same as other primates, you know, the, maybe the missing link, you know. But Homo, whatever it was, they ate these psilocybin mushrooms, and the idea is that they it stimulated certain parts of their brain, and over years and years and years, eventually it made it grow in a certain way and made them understand lots of other things, like develop the language center in the brain, and all that kind of stuff. Now, that's a really cool, interesting theory in itself. But then what I like to do is combine it with all the other cool theories at that time of the what caused the human brain to double in size. So there's like, you could have that. But then there's also eating meat around that time. So it's maybe, and then there's also hunting as well. Okay, so there's eating, there's the hunting part, which is spears and the Stone Age, you know, that a lot of uh, monkeys and things 
primates and things. They use stones to break open stuff. They make spears to go fishing, etc. Right. Well, there's the throwing arm of the throwing a javelin or a spear. To the the actual amount of uh, processing power that takes to figure out, you know, is it raining? Is there wind? If you throw it, how much force you have to do to get it to hit what you're doing, the force of it, etc. That, mixed with the psilocybin mushrooms, allegedly, uh, <laughs> mixed with because they were hunting and things, they were eating meat, which then meat has a certain amount of nutrients in this heart, much, much harder to get in you know, with a purely vegetarian diet. And obviously nowadays you can cultivate that sort of thing, but back then when you're primates, you can't really. So a lot of these little things put together, which could have been the cause of the human brain sort of doubling in size. And another one of those theories is, I briefly touched upon it earlier, which is aliens. So some people say aliens came down and mated with primates. Yeah, with that's the, it. That aliens. meme with the guy with the big uh-huh, hair. With the crazy hair, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and that that's one of those theories. And normally when I'm pretty uh, intoxicated uh, around festivals, around a fire, that's the, normally the time the sort of conversations come out. But it's so fun to think of all these crazy theories as to why the human brain doubled in size. There's probably hundreds of macro, uh, sort of micro reasons that all just happen to culminate into one reason. And that's why but it's so fun like you can just sit around for hours and say oh yeah this thing caused that and i think my love of oh it's almost scientific theory but it's like with a almost like with a with like gandalf's uh, pipe weed pipe and just kind of mm. thinking about it it's that kind of silliness and it's i love that and i've always loved history and that's why i think especially in parts of my life i've noticed i've got into mythology as well which obviously you mentioned your partners into in, in certain ways but i like you know the greek mythology but there's also roman mythology and all the mm. different gods and obviously that goes into religion right and it's just it's just storytelling isn't it it's just all stories and that's one of the weird things about humans is that it doesn't really matter what you're into even sports in a lot of ways is the story of it of it happening because mm. unless you're playing the sport you're watching something what is it other than the story right and it's it's so weird to think about the humans are so into stories I'd say, in, in, in so many different facets, if you know what I mean. Well, I mean, you know, if you, if you think about it, any information that you want to relay to another human being, how do you do it? You tell them a story. Mm. I mean, that's the way that we relate to one another. You know, it's not like, hey, Jim, how are you? I'm fine. And then 25 minutes of silence until Jim goes home. Like, no, you know, we we want to know about Jim's family and that vacation that he took with his wife and his two kids and, you know, how his dog is doing and what happened to his dog. And, you know, and so we have to we have to weave all these complex narratives to kind of keep the other person engaged. Mm. I mean, if you would ask me at the top of the show, what's going on? And I'd be like, nothing. (laughs) And then we just fucking sat here like, I mean, it just it just wouldn't work, you know. And as human beings, we're narrative creatures. We want to craft narratives so that the world around us makes sense. Um, And I think that you can say that about a lot of things. I think that you can say that about, um, I feel like I've been on like the religion bashing train (laughs) for this episode. Um, But I've always firmly believed that, you know, the Bible, the stories of the Bible were crafted as um, something generic that people could use to form their, their lives and their existence and um, how they functioned within the society that they existed in at that time. Yeah. Um, I don't think it translates real well to today unless you finagle it a little bit. And some people are better <laughs> with the finagle than others, obviously. But 
You know, it's it's just one of those things. We tell stories so that our world makes sense. And through the telling of these stories, we somehow get that feedback that says, okay, you know, my life kind of makes more sense or I make more sense to myself now because I had that reaction to that. Um, like, for example, um, like I said, I, I come from a, you know, military police um, family background. A lot of my family members are either law enforcement or military. And, um, you know, this whole thing with, um, you know, the, the unrest, um, the, the Black Lives Matter movement and the police um, and, you know, the abuse of power and, and all of this stuff, um, it's, it's just kind of, I don't know. You know, it's it's like, what is what is my narrative, you know, and like, what story do I want to leave behind and what story do I want to precede me? Hmm. Like, do I want to be the person, you know, that that lady in Central Park who called the police on the bird watcher? Hmm. You know, like, do I want to be on that side of history or do I want to be the person who's like, this is bullshit. There's no reason why this should be happening to people, to human beings. Um, and it needs to stop, you mm-hmm. know, and that, that to me clearly seems like the right side of history. <laughs> uh, but to other people, maybe that's not the way their narrative works. Maybe they want to be the bird watcher in Central Park calling the police on a man who was clearly bird watching. Like he had <laughs> everything to go bird watching. And he called you out because you didn't have your dog on a leash. Like, that is bullshit. What are you doing? You know? I mean, if there ever was a Karen, that <laughs> is a Karen. Um, yeah. It's it's just craziness. But, but yeah, I mean, we, we tell stories to make sense of the world that we're living in. I'm sure that 10, 20, 30 years from now, we will tell stories to our children trying to make sense of what COVID-19 was. And what the Black Lives Matter movement was and, you know, what what we did to make our world a better place, um, no matter what perspective that's from. um, We're still going to tell those stories and we're still going to tell, you know, share those narratives because what else do we have? You know, Mm -hmm. when you think about it, we're just human beings on this giant rock floating through space and we're just trying to make sense of it all. And maybe we never will, but maybe that's okay. You know? Yeah, that's one thing that so. I I had to come to terms with in my sort of late teens, where I was like, when thing when it became clear to me, that I kind of had like an epiphany, and I was like, oh, I'm never going to know everything. In fact, right. I'm never even going to know even <laughs> remotely close. Like not even like you think, oh, maybe I'll know one percent of everything, and then you go, okay, that's a bit dumb. Maybe point one percent. And now I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I'd even the amount of knowledge I have about anything is not even. You could a hundred decimal places. You still, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't know fucking nothing. Like, right? <laughs> we all just have like a tiny, incrementally tiny, tiny, tiny piece of the puzzle. That's, mm-hmm. that's all we have. Or like we have the world's smallest, a smallest torch or flashlight, mm-hmm. and we're like the size of ants on planet Earth, and we've all got a <laughs> tiny little light source, and we're right. all like no. We, I know, I know how this all works. I mm-hmm. know exactly. I've got it. I've got it. God yep. doesn't like the gays. That's what. That's what. I, that's, that's the problem here. It's like, well, right. it's probably not. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I don't. I, I, obviously, the religion bashing thing. I'm, right. I, I, you and I think are both in the same boat. Where it's like, don't hate religious people. 
because right. that's not fair. You just hate people who are assholes, and some of them are religious. It, it's right, not... yeah. Well, I mean, that's the other part of it, right? Like, not all assholes are religious. Some people are just assholes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter <laughs> that's just, if I mean, and it's because of how you were raised. Um, it's because of the circle of friends that you keep. Um, if those people are inclined to believe what you believe and you only surround yourselves with those people, then, I mean, that's that's where you're going. Like, that's mm. what you're going to understand. That's your pen light that you're <laughs> shining out into the world, you know. But then I think with the recent things that are going on in the world, you also have to consider that that is your legacy. Like, that is what you're leaving behind. So when you post something shitty on Facebook and you say, oh, well, you know, it's absolutely right that police should have just complete power to be able to do whatever because the world is insane and, you know, whatever. Or you post something like, not all cops. Okay. I mean, that's fine. Not all cops. Not all people are bad. Um, not all lesbians are bad. Not all, you know, I mean, like, you can't really make that generalization. But at the same time, if I knew that somebody in my circle of friends was was bad and doing something wrong, I would probably call that person out on it and be mm -hmm. like, dude, you can't do that anymore. That's not yeah. right. You can't treat people like that. You can't say that. Um, and, and I think that that's a lot of the problem. Like, it's just been let go for so long. You know, people have just accepted that this is the way that the world is. And I think if we're not careful, I mean, this is the way the world ends. Mm -hmm. You know, like, what what is that quote? Like, not with a bang, but with a whimper? Yes. Yeah. I mean, do we really want to be the stupid whimpering masses? Or do we really <laughs> want to take charge of what's going on in the world right now and be like, this is bullshit. We need to change it. Yeah. And I mean, I'll be the first to admit that I'm not the person out there marching with people. Um, physically, I'm not able to do that. But I am the person who, like, if I hear people passing by my house in protest, I will go out there and support them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not going to be that person that's going to come down on the wrong side of history. Yeah. Um, and actually, I mean, it's it's something that I've really been struggling with because of the fact that my family is so aligned with these essentially, like, power-controlling entities that, I mean, you know, I, I know my cousin, um, my cousin works up in, oh, she works on the mainland. I feel like it's maybe Saskatchewan, um, but she's a police officer. And I mean, I know my cousin and I love my cousin and I can't see her ever, ever, ever doing something like what was done to George Floyd. Mm -hmm. I could never, ever in a million years imagine her doing something like that. And then I come back to that conversation that we had about what you what would you do if you felt threatened? Mm. And then I come back to the idea that the police in America are so militarized. And why do we need two militaries? We don't. <laughs> you know, like we have a military and we need a police force, but we don't need the police force as it is now. Mm -hmm. We don't need people in riot gear shooting rubber bullets at people in the face when clearly... Rubber bullets are supposed to be fired at the ground. I'm not a police officer, and I know this. So for me to know this and police officers to not know that, that's a little scary. Mm. Um, it was the whole situation that's happening over in primarily America, because obviously over here we had Black Lives Matter uh, protests and charts sure. and things, and that's all that's all great and things, and I obviously fully support all that sort of thing. 
it should almost be a given. Like, mm. well, it, it's I hear it, I go, well, obviously, but there's like, but right. it's not actually that obvious because there's a lot of people who don't believe that. So mm. it does baffle me. Same as when I found out about you know gay marriage in in America being legalized and there being actual protests. I was like, oh, people, oh yeah, I forgot. I I forgot people actually oh, for some reason I mean, care. It was only a few years ago that I was worried if my wife had to go into the hospital that I would not be allowed to go into the hospital with her because I was not related to her. Mm -hmm. Like we were married, but they were going to tell us that, no, I would have to wait in the waiting room and she would have to go in back. I mean, it was just, it's, it's insanity. And that was only a few years ago. It was very recent. One of the most baffling things to me is um, in England, uh, being gay was illegal until the seventies. You're right. It was, it was, I think it was 67 or something right. similar to that. And it was like, I, I remember when I first heard that fact from, uh, it was actually a gentleman I had on the podcast, a friend of mine who he's gay. Mm. And I knew, I think I looked it up before speaking with him because he mentioned it before our chat and things. And I was like, oh, wait, being gay, I, I know there's been like a lot of stuff in history which has been very sure. anti homosexual, but I didn't realize it was actually illegal. And then that's where the Polari, the uh, the rhyming slang, came from mm-hmm. in the gay community because it was if a if a man sat on a bench by himself, you could sat down next to him. You said a couple of words in Polari. If he said words back in Polari, you knew you were both right. gay and you could do with that what you want. Or mm-hmm. if he said what you're saying, you're like, okay, can't. Right. And it's like, I, obviously, once again, it's the thing of privileges. I'm in that place where I'm like, I I couldn't even fathom why that was ever a thing. Why? Who decided? gay being gay to be illegal i'm like the baffling thing about that in the most part is is very similar in the way of sort of black lives matter racism it's like Mm -hmm. i can't i can't fathom it because it's like you can't choose who you want to who you're attracted to and you also can't choose Mm -hmm. your skin color so how could you ever treat someone differently from them being unable to choose it's like and it's with religious fundamentalists once again not against religion but people who are very hardlined in the, the bible and things and it's like oh no, being gay is a choice. So, so you could, so if, if it was like a, to a pastor or something, you're like, oh, so you could choose to like penis. Like right. I, <laughs> I, like in all honesty, if I was single, I would, right. if I could choose, I would be bisexual in right. the sense of where we're at the point now where it's a palette. It's a, it, sure. it's an area of sex where I'm never going to experience, hopefully, because <laughs> I, I'm not into that. It's just right. penises revolt me. And that, I, I, don't I mean, that. present company excluded, I'm sure. <laughs> so it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I don't know, mine's pretty grim. Um, but it, it's one of those, it, it's so baffling to me. And then with the Black Lives Matter thing, it's the same. And it's like, how? Yeah. There's so many other things we can argue about. There's so many things wrong with this world yeah. that we could really have a serious conversation about. And there's so many people arguing about hashtag Black Lives Matter and hashtag All Lives Matter. And it's oh, like... God. It's like, how are people still on this? This is like page one. This was like years ago and it's come back of the whole, I mean, I'm referring to people saying all lives matter. It's like, it is so simple. If your mate has tripped over and hurt themselves and they go, can you help me, mate? You don't go, oh yeah, but, but you're not hurt. You're right. hurt, but I, I need help. I'm also, but, it's like, but you're not on the floor in pain right now. You're, <laughs> if you fall over it a bit and something goes wrong, we'll help you up. But right. at the moment, this is what you need to focus on. Turnabout is and, fair play. Like, I'll... <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, oh, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Getting, going down um, rabbit holes of that sort of thing. Yeah. My, my favorite, um, my favorite explanation of all lives matter is, um, you wouldn't go to a funeral, um, where, you know, somebody has just died and one of their loved ones is up giving the eulogy and stand up and be like, actually all lives matter. 
no, you wouldn't. Because that would be idiotic, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, God. Yeah. It, the world the world is a crazy and I, confusing You know, I mean, like, place. you know, I... I, I struggled with, um, because I'm a podcaster, um, I, you know, I don't have a huge platform. I don't have a huge following, but I still want to make sure, like I keep saying, I want to come down on the right side of history. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really struggled with the intro for the first episode that's going to be released, um, on Monday Hmm. because I don't want to come off as, oh yeah, you know, here's this white lady, you know, saying that she understands, you know, what's going on. Hmm. Um, because I don't, and I never will because I'm not of color. I'm not a person of color. Um, I am an other, um, I do fall into the other category. I technically I'm disabled a little bit. Um, you know, I, I'm a lesbian. Um, I'm a woman, which glass ceiling is still a thing. Um, so, I mean, I, I understand all of these things but I will never understand what it's like to be discriminated against because of the color of my skin, because I have that privilege mm-hmm. of being white. And I just think it's so asinine that I'm privileged because of my skin color. It's just so okay. asinine. Why can't we just all be humans? You know, yeah. it just, it makes no sense to me at all. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, coming from a place where there aren't, there aren't really black people. Like I, when I was growing up, I didn't know any black people. Um, I knew some Asian people, um, the majority of like the, um, the doctors and it's very strange in Newfoundland. It's almost like there's like little niches where people are. So like, there's like the bad part of town, Hmm. but that's all white people. Okay. So it's like low income housing, but they consider it to be the bad part of town. Right. Um, then you have like, you know, Chinese food restaurants, Jap- mm. they have recently, they have, you know, like sushi restaurants and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But in lot like laundromats or whatever, uh, um, what do they call that? Fucking, why am I blanking? I feel like I'm a hundred years old right now. I'm like, can't remember what, shit. What term? Dry cleaning, dry oh, cleaning places. That. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the, the, um, Asian community. Seems to operate there. Mm -hmm. And then you have, like, doctors, lawyers who are all East Indian, Mm -hmm. which is very strange. And so, I mean, like, when I was growing up, that was the way I thought about people. Yeah. Just everybody being in their own little niches because Mm -hmm. I didn't go to school with people who were Hmong. No, of course, yeah. Because that wasn't a thing. They lived in a different part of town. So I went to school in the white part of town that I didn't know was the white part of town mm-hmm. because I had this privilege that I could just be like, yeah, I'm just going to go to school. And then at the same time in another part of town, you know, and somewhere else in the country, there's somebody walking to school who gets shot because they're on somebody's lawn and they just happen to be black. Mm. You know, I, it's, I mean, everything is, it's just, it's so fucked up. It's so fucked it up. It is. And it's it's one of those things where I didn't even I've said it in the podcast before, and it's it's one of those things where I'm I'm kind of ashamed of it in in some ways, but it's like I didn't even know racism was a thing until I saw an episode of That's So Raven. I was eight or nine oh, years old, and yeah. there's an episode of That's So Raven on the Disney Channel where Raven doesn't get a job, but her friend who's white, Chelsea, does get a job, and then the the uh, owner says, "Oh, she doesn't hire black people." And I remember I was at eight or nine when I saw that, and I was like, 
wait, what? Because I'd in uh, in the school I went to, it, I, I'm from Southampton in in England, which is right sure. down south, and England is kind of the stereotypical flip of America. So the, right. the up north is stereotypically considered more backwards. It's not just to clarify to people, but you know, there generally is a higher percentage of seemingly racism up north and down sure. south is generally more liberal ish. You know, it's and um, Southampton is a dock is dockyards, it's docks and things. We had the Titanic come here before it <laughs> went I think it went, then went to Plymouth and sailed off or it went to us after Plymouth. But yeah. you know, we had some sort of t- we touched the boat when it, you know, was here. And <laughs> we've got a museum about it, cool. <laughs> right. But because of the docks is multicultural and stuff, we've got a higher population of uh, people from Poland as well mm. as th- there's also people of Indian descent and lots of Asian descent as well. And we've got two universities. So it's, it attracts a a wide berth of people. And so I, in my primary school, which is, uh, will be for you guys when I was like five to 10, um, that was when there's a Catholic school as well. There were people of all kinds of different races there. So I just, it was normal to me. It was just, yeah, people of different races. And then I I was like, Oh, we all treat each other like people. And I saw that episode. That's a Raven. And it changed. And I was like, I remember that being one of the first moments where, you know, kind of reality hits you and you, you lose a little bit of your, your childish innocence. Mm-hmm. And it was that because yeah. obviously it's once again, it's from a place of privilege. I'm a very privileged individual. I'm a, you know, white millennial male in England in 2020. Like, right. You don't yeah. really get much higher up apart from trust funds. You're I'd taking say, all that. the boxes there. <laughs> yeah. And so I often feel guilty. And I like to say that thing in the podcast about how that's what the moment I realized about racism of just how naive I was at a young age, but because it i feel like with this having a platform even though i don't have millions of listeners that'd be mm-hmm. that'd be nice i i always am in two minds of things where when it comes to speaking about things like black lives matter or social movements when it comes to people of color and things because england has a slightly different uh political view on race than america does america right. it's more about black and white but also about immigrants who are mexican that's the general stereotypes mm-hmm. whereas right. over here it's more about immigrants that are either polish or muslim for some mm. reason they're the two it's yeah. very bizarre how it works especially because we're an island and you know all of our ancestors are immigrants but still same as america in most You're ways right. it's really weird right but it's i always feel i feel odd when i speak about things like black lives matter because i, I never want people to think i'm going this is right this is the way and i know because because right. i don't I, i'm just saying my opinion but it's like i i hope that people hear the sincerity and i'm like i just try and let people say their opinions on the show and stuff, but I, I generally have people I agree with for the most part. But it's like, I always feel like I don't want anyone to hear the show and be like, oh, he's talking like he knows from experience. It's like, I really don't. Like, I want to put my hands right. on good. I, I, from this sort of thing, I, I do feel as, do you know what I mean? Like, it's a weird thing to explain. It was like, not quite white guilt because I don't yeah. feel guilty about doing anything. But, you know, it's, right. I don't want to say I know what it's like in that, in their shoes mm-hmm. because especially from where I am, like I'm, once again, I'm, um, straight and things so it's it's even less on that part mm. I, I, do, I always feel guilty in a sense talking about some of the some of these issues acting like i know what i'm talking about you, you, know, what right. I mean? you know what i'm coming from i'm kind of rambling on i <laughs> said the same thing three times yeah you know this this concept of white guilt mm. um i read something recently about um a girl who had it was on facebook um she'd marched with her whole family um mm. she's a person of color uh in the black lives matter marches in milwaukee And she said that she kept marching past white people who were crying. And she's like, what right do they have to stand there and visibly show their sadness when, like, we're being murdered? 
Hmm. You know, it just and and so I always think about that. I'm like, yeah, you know, this this concept of white guilt. Like, am I like I'll be the first to admit when I see people marching for a good cause, I do get very emotional because I feel like I support them and I'm on the right side of history. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they're they're good people trying to do the right thing. And that's who I want to ally myself with. Um, but at the same time, when I start to feel like I'm going to get emotional about it because I am experiencing this, I have to leave. Mm. Because I feel like it's not my right to make it about me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the whole, like, this whole concept of white guilt. Like, you know, well, if I'm guilty about it, then that's making it about me. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really matter so much that I'm guilty about it. It matters more what I do now to, mm-hmm. to you know, in my in my thoughts and my actions, the way that I operate every day, the way that I treat people. Um, that's what matters. And what happened happened. We can't go back in time and fix slavery. We no. can't keep that from happening. Um you know, I mean, people who have ancestors who were slave traders, you you can't go back in time and change your name. You can't mm-hmm. do it. Um, that was shit that happened. Um, you know, I mean, they, they sold people like cattle and it's abhorrent and there's mm-hmm. there's no need for that. But you can't just be like, well, I'm really, you know, and I'm not shitting on you. No, of course, no, no. This is just my own personal perspective. But like, 100%. I, I feel like I can't personally be like, yeah, I'm really guilty about it. And then just be with that, you know? Mm. Like, I feel like I have to, like, this is the reason why I feel guilty about it, but I'm going to keep it kind of to myself and, like, low-key. Because mm. I don't want to be that person who takes away from what you're doing. Exactly. Kind of yeah, that's, I see what you see, And that's what I mean, is that's why, in part as well, where I was like, Try making about me like if i instead of me talking about these issues it's like well, does anyone really want to hear my opinion on these issues but right. it's like on the other side it is like but if i'm saying my opinion on this maybe someone hears what i have to say and then they look into it more and go elsewhere and become more informed in it and it's like it well and then you're the one with the privilege yeah right so then you feel like well i should say something i should do something i should be in these marches, I should be visible because I am white and mm-hmm. because there are other people besides me who are being treated badly, I should use the my whiteness mm-hmm. as a tool to yeah. raise awareness and to bring other people, like you said, to awareness, to let them know what's mm-hmm. going on. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that that's profoundly important. Um, yeah. I just really... <laughs> I really don't want to come off as that person who's like, and now it's about me. Like that that's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Like you don't want to be that person who's so outspoken that you take away from what other people are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Because and it's the like I said signaling. before, I mean, even though, you know, I am an other, I will never know what it is to be that other. Yes. You know. Yeah. So that's kind of where I am on it. Yeah, and the same as virtue signaling. It's a kind of like rounding off finishing points and things. It's just I also don't want to come across um, like I'm being some sort of, look at me, look how valiant I am. I support Black Lives yeah, right. Matter, and therefore I am amazing. Moral compass is right. aligned. I'm not saying 
people who I'm not saying white people who support Black Lives Matter are doing that. That's not that's not at all what I'm saying. I'm right. saying I also worry about coming across like I'm only doing it to be oh I'm a, like look at me I'm you know look at me because I'm doing the right thing therefore I'm good right. and obviously that's once again that's not taking you or anyone else it's it's that weird tightrope in my own mind where mm-hmm. I'm overthinking to such a unnecessarily ridiculous degree that the only point should really be is just be nice to people mm-hmm. generally and be good like one of right. the reasons I want to have kids one day is because I'd like to be able to raise someone and <clears throat> let them have an awesome life and if they have friends who maybe if they've got parents who aren't as awesome they can come over our house and chill with like my parents right. let I was fortunate that my parents let all my friends come over my house oh, all nice. the time and some of them who had not as good home lives or things or whatever they come over and just hang out and it's it, it's not a big deal and it's those sort of things where like if you can just bring a little bit of good in the world either via podcast or just raising a good kid or doing community projects or protesting or any of these things mm-hmm. if everyone just generally did that it would be such a better place and that's i guess right. what everyone just has to kind of aim for really yeah i mean pretty much i i think that you know the the protesting and um making sure that the people who are doing wrong are punished for what they mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's a, a good step in the right direction. Um, I still think it's a small step, but I mean, any step is better than no step. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I think that's probably, a, a, I won't go into another subject now because we'll end up talking <laughs> all night. Uh, even though we had more notes, we'll save for another time. But there you um go. It's, it's been absolutely amazing having you on and chatting with you, Janine. I feel like I could have probably chat for all night, but I have to leave this room because I am sweating. <laughs> I'm so warm in here. I mean, it's you're gross. sweating. I'm in a closet, dude. <laughs> <laughs> There's no air conditioning in this closet. <laughs> we don't have air conditioning in this whole building. Oh, seriously? <laughs> it's England. We do England unless you're in a supermarket or uh, in a big office. You do not have aircon. Really? We have windows and fans. You should get one of those portable jobbies. Those are We've awesome. We've got a little fan. We've got a little fan that's like uh, about three, four foot high, and it oscillates. And it's we only get about <clears throat> maybe a month, maybe two months of summer, if that. Oh sure. And we've already we had a couple weeks of summer, and now right. we're in the called muggy middle, and then we're gonna have a few more weeks in a bit, and then that'll be the end of it. So right. most English people don't have aircon because it just costs quite a lot of money. Mm. Uh, for something that we don't need it for because <laughs> so, oh. we get overcast right yeah we but, got a portable one that um <clears throat> you can plug in and it has like the adapter for the window you know with a hose that oh, goes yes, out yes and it's just <clears throat> i mean it's literally like a compressor on wheels and it just <laughs> blows the most beautiful cold air that you could ever oh. imagine it was like 200 bucks that's amazing it's an investment, it's a good investment. <laughs> definitely yeah, I was gonna say it's been. I'm somehow losing my voice, which has never happened on a oh, podcast no. before ever. So you win a prize there for that, <laughs> or maybe I lose a prize for talking far too much and not letting the listeners right. <laughs> listen to your amazing stories. Um, but it's been great having you on, Jenny. I'll put uh, I'll put details in the description and things. But if you just want to say where people can find you, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you want to look at my blog, um, I put the show notes up there every week for the Identity Podcast. Um, it's theidentitypodcast.wordpress.com. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at identitypod. I'm also on Facebook as the Identity Podcast. And if you have like weird, crazy, ridiculous stories, or you have like a topic you want me to cover, you can send all that to the identitypodcast at gmail.com. 
That's wonderful. And mm-hmm. I'll be sure to include all the links uh, in the below description and stuff. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, once again, Janine, absolutely still having you on and definitely have to do this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. I'm glad that you're well and I hope that you stay well. And I hope <laughs> that all of your listeners stay well and wear a fucking face mask. <laughs> yeah, I showed you my face mask earlier, right. so I've got little owls on it, so I'm all good. <laughs> all right. Awesome. And that was the end of a very long podcast. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Anyone who made it to the end of my podcast just means that you gave it your all, and I really, really appreciate that. If you do want to hear more of me, go to Genuine Chit Chat on any of your podcast players or YouTube or whatever, or find me on social media and you can go there. Feel free to contact me in any way, shape, or form to ask any questions about the show or anything like that. And yeah, we'll get a conversation going. But yeah, I just want to say thank you for giving the show a chance, guys. Big shout out to Moxie of Your Brain on Facts, who is the person who orchestrated this amazing podcast switcheroo and yeah hopefully you guys will be hearing from me again if you like the show so much but if not i just appreciate you listening anyway thank you as always guys i really really appreciate it and hopefully i'll talk to you in the future